passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Post Perez, the May 23rd edition. And uh, I'm W.H. Park, and uh, this is the second episode of May that you're listening to. And joining me is one of my rotating uh, co-hosts, one, one, of, one of, you know, the, the, the regular people that's going to be in the chair with me in, in the years to come here at Post Perez. And that's Dylan Fox from the Eastern Lariat. Dylan, how are you? I am so happy to be here. Uh, also representing cagematch.net right now. Uh, I want to wave the flag if anybody has any, uh, you know, need for a good uh, source of wrestling knowledge, results, things of that nature. Occasionally insane ratings from, from some of our users. Cagematch.net is your hookup. So I want to put that out. But yes, Eastern Lariat, uh, my favorite show, me and Striga, he's also there. And, you know, WH, I'm so happy to be on. Is this my first actual? Uh, not I, obviously. We did one together before a long time ago, and one with John. And after that, it's been a while since we've done an actual post Perez together. Uh, our last show was the Kawada show that we did yeah. for Long and Winding Royal Road, which uh, is one of my proudest pieces of work I've ever. Yeah, done. I, that was that was amazing. I was so I was so glad that you did that with me. No, I I think I consider you kind of like the. The uh, the pioneer of like the the you know the the non John Pollock you know <laughs> co hosted episodes of Post Perez. Ah man, that's awesome! I'm so happy to be on. Uh, you know, you're a great friend, regardless of wrestling. You know, we don't even have to be recording to have hour long conversations and stuff at times. So uh, I can't wait to do this show, and hopefully, all the listeners enjoy it too. I love getting out here to being a little bit of a different audience, you know. So uh, I like I said, we got such great feedback on the last show. Uh, hopefully we can get some very similar ones to this show. It's a, it's a big show. We've got a lot to talk about. It's a crazy time. I don't know why you, you called me in uh, at this point with May because we have some just uh, stuff that I never thought we'd be talking about even a week or two ago, let alone a year ago <laughs> whenever I was last on with you and John. So I am so amped up and psyched to get this going. Well, before we get to like our topics, and I, I want to also endorse Cage Match. It's basically used by anyone who's anyone in like wrestling, like podcasting or journalism. Hey, how many matches did Gary Albright have in 1993? Got to go to cage match. 
you can search it up. It's got everything. You can even break it down to the like singles matches and stuff. And I didn't know that for a long time, or I guess I thought it was possible. I never knew it. But once I started to actually edit stuff and put in usually really non-important shows from uh, certain companies we might not be talking about on the show, actually, uh, now that I think about it, but so unimportant, we will not talk about it. If you but, need to know how many singles matches Mayumi Ozaki had with Bull Makano, you can find that out over at Cage Match. Absolutely. Search different workers, singles matches, everything. You know, and I, I like to think the Eastern Lariat is like the Japanese pro wrestling podcast extension of Cage Match in a lot of ways, because sometimes I'll just break out stuff that nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, Like I said, again, very unimportant things in the grand scheme of things. But if you do know, it's like an Easter egg almost. And uh, hopefully we can have a few of those on this show, too. Definitely, definitely. So, you know, you know, like this past Monday, I was like thinking about this show and I and I, at the time I was thinking, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Nothing's, nothing, nothing's really happening in, in Japanese wrestling, really, like in, in the week in the like these last weeks of May. And then and then I think Wednesday happened. And then this this morning, you know, like and I'll just say like, um, to be, you know, peek behind the curtain that we're recording this on a Saturday night, though it's going to be broadcast on on Sunday on Sunday morning that. You know, like I, I started getting like, you know, messages from people about what's happening in New Japan, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, I was just like, wow, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens. So that's, that's the way things work. I remember I remember on our last free episode of Eastern Lariat, uh, somebody or I, I think it might have been um, me and Stringer. Stringer asked me something like, what do you think is going to happen a year from now in the Champion Carnival? And I'm like, man, that's impossible to, to know because the world of Japanese wrestling moves so fast, uh, even compared to, uh, you know, uh, normal wrestling, uh, every wrestling everywhere, you know, in U.S., Japan, Mexico, it all moves fast, especially right now because we're in such a weird time. But uh, the Japanese wrestling world, it's things can change so fast on a dime. You know, companies could change hands. People could get fired unexpectedly. Somebody could jump ship. Whole companies have split off. You know, I was I was telling you in the DMs, I was doing a lot of research lately on the super old school of Japanese wrestling in the 60s and 70s. And it's stuff that will blow your mind if you read about it. But it's like stuff like that could happen and you wouldn't even think about it a month before and it could happen. So the Japanese wrestling world is so crazy. And here we are, not even a month, not even a week. You know, Monday, you were thinking, man, this is going to be a cold show. I got to talk to Dylan. That's going to suck. This guy's got no charisma. I don't even want to talk to him. And then you realize that, wait, he is the one I need to call because things have gotten so crazy and things have popped off so much. It's like, I feel like the, the, I feel like Spider-Man and the Avengers right now. I'm not a main character in the post Perez universe, but when things get hectic, who do they turn to? Well, no, you're kind of like an honorary member of the uh, the post wrestling family. I well, think much like Spider Man. No, I, he's a full fledged member of the Avengers. Oh, okay. So I, I guess I'm kind of like a, an honorary member. Okay, who you're would that? Of, be? In, in the Avengers? Yes. Yeah. I um maybe Captain Marvel. Uh, can I be somebody else? You have someone else. I uh, who's I don't know who the honorary member is. I guess I guess okay. maybe the Winter Soldier. Okay, that, that'll work. I'm, I'm down with that. I love the Winter Soldier, uh, so I'm completely for this. I am the Winter Soldier of the post arrest family. Yes, right. Someone said to me, who, oh, John Cena over at Shot in the Dark, he, yes. he was like, WH, you're the uh, Prince Paul of post-wrestling. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm the KRS-One of post-wrestling. Ooh, that would make you 
to a super legend on this. You know, I still listen to like the bridges over, you know, uh, every once in a while. So KRS one, uh, BDP, that yeah. is my jam. I like, I love that whole era of hip hop. So if you, you know, I'm, I'm down with this. I'm super into this. I mean, just me and Sino just went into like the trading, like, images he like put up i don't know who the fuck did he put some dude with uh, like slick rick guy with the eye patch right yeah yeah eye patch yeah and then i and i and i Classic. like i countered with like uh redhead kingpin okay <laughs> and big daddy kane ah that was gonna be my next guy of that era awesome because you know why because i get the job done <laughs> <laughs> nice so but anyways let's get to the show and and one of our you know the main topic we're going to get to first is uh, we're going to we're going to commemorate the the anniversary of a of a terrible day, but like we want to kind of celebrate the the person and that is Hanakimura. And I want to shout out to you and Striga last year. You you guys did this amazing tribute show over at the Eastern Laird, and and if you really want to hear like like some in depth analysis and in depth like. Um, history of Hana, like check out the the show that Dylan and, and Striga did. I know both you guys. As I, I no offense to you, Dylan, but I think it's more maybe more so even with Striga. Like there was such like admiration and love poured out from from both of you on that show. But I because I and I I knew where it came from because you guys would talk about her on your shows when she was she was active and still alive, and just such great admiration for her work. And I just did a show with Braden Harrington and, and Davey Portman over on on their feed, the up next show. Uh, we did best match ever, Hana Kimura. And I want to thank Dylan for helping me select some of the matches that we watched uh, on that show. And it was a really fun and I just got to you know remind myself like wow she she was an amazing worker she was really underrated and such a charismatic personality but such a, an incredible really underrated worker i don't think people talk about what a great worker she was but she was actually great with submissions and her striking yeah you know first of all thank you so much that show was one of the more personal ones that we did on our show so I, I really appreciated that and yeah Stringer was a, a huge fan of Hanukkah from the start so I wasn't surprised that uh, he took it that way and so so many people were affected by it uh, with me I honestly at first you know when she I was a huge fan of her mom's uh, more, more than her in terms of as a worker for a long time but late, later on in her career especially I think the match I showed you uh, there, I don't want to spoil it uh, when it comes to your show, obviously. Uh, best match ever, obviously, on the Up Next feed. Uh, big fan. And I can't wait to listen to it. But around that t- time, right, you know, 2018 or so, I, it's something really clicked with her, I feel like. And when she went into stardom full time, you could see that she was really growing. And the star potential was always there. The charisma, the it factor and all that, that was always there. So to see her grow into the great worker that she did become and all of the good matches that she had. And uh, I was so happy to do that show last year. And, you know, I'm not happy, like, uh, but, you know, just uh, I was happy to do it in that that show. I really wanted us to focus on her career because I know that her death is was like going to overshadow it, you know, at the end of the day. And I, I didn't want that. And I, we did our best to fight against that because there was so much to her uh, as a person, uh, her career as a wrestler. There's so much there, you know, and it's uh, hopefully everybody can continue to keep her memory going, keep her spirit alive, because that is one thing 
that the fans have not let her die fully. You know, uh, they keep her alive and not to be like cheesy or anything, but they really keep them alive in all of our hearts. Uh, you know, you go to Twitter every day. I see something about Hana Kimura on Twitter from somebody, whether it's a memory, a photo, flowers, so, something like that, you know, and it's just amazing. I, I can't ever remember anybody, uh, you know, because in the wrestling business, a lot of people that uh, were legendary figures passed away for some reason or another. But this one really struck people's hearts, and her memory has been kept alive, and that's something that uh, I hope she's proud of. I I think one of the the really you know cool things about her when she was alive was that like because like of you know like her kind of you know situation as a per, as a as a person growing up in Japan as being of of mixed heritage like she I think a lot of people could relate to her because there always had to be there was always this kind of like you know outsider kind of person like per aspect to her to her character and that I think people latched onto I think that's one thing I, I try to bring up with 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 you know her her kind of like you know rivalries and relationships with some of her uh you know more famous opponents like like uh Asuka not not WB Asuka but Asuka who's also known as Benny um and with like Julia is that I think those those type those two wrestlers can relate to that idea because of their own situations not necessarily being the same as as Hanakimura but you know kind of like trying to fit into the larger Japanese society and but I think she spoke to like a lot of people who might you know like who are Japanese like fully Japanese like that are like oh I don't fit in like but they can relate to Hana that way I think that's what her her last incarnation as the leader of Tokyo Cyber Squad kind of represented I kind of liken it to like when like when she came back from Mexico, Dylan, like I kind of like in what happened with her and her evolution and kind of like how fans reacted to her uh, as opposed to like, you know, what, what you know, her character before was that it's, it was similar to me, like what would happen with Tetsuya Naito, I, you know, before he was started as genius, then he came back from Mexico and he, be, he was the leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón. I, I felt like she was going to become like the Joshi version of, of Naito in, in a way that like people would just latch onto this personality and it would just propel her to like this like level of stardom. No, no, you know, no pun intended there, you know? I completely agree with all of that. And it was clear that they saw it too. You know, this was somebody that was going to go under the radar. She was clearly on course to be the top star uh, of the company. I would have put money on her being the next, you know, top star, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it's just uh, a, a crazy thing that, uh, you know, it couldn't have happened, but she had so much to her. And like you said, when she came back from Mexico, it felt like she gained a, a lot of, uh, like the it factor was always there and the charisma was always there. The look was always there. The star potential was always there. But when she came back, she changed up her look, changed up her wrestling style. And I was so impressed by her. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what particularly she learned in Mexico, but whatever she took from it really uh, let her grow. And you're right. I think a Naito uh, type of star would have been well possible. You know, and, and, you know, the whole Tokyo Cyber Squad aesthetic was so cool to the fans. You know, everybody really bought into that. Um, you know, with everything going on, unfortunately, it is the anniversary of that. Uh, and, but she really affected so many people. But uh, it was her charisma and her star power that she brought to the table that 
it was going to be a surefire, huge thing for her, uh, you know, and, and I know that she probably, um, you know, she probably knew that too, that she had that star presence and that she was going to be that next star. And I think she took it so seriously, even when she was on a uh, terrace house, one of the first things she said was like, Hey, I'm on here because I want more people to know about wrestling, you know? So her love for wrestling and growing up in the business, obviously, you know, that is one great thing about her is that, you know, you hear so many stories of these guys and they, you know, they hate the business or whatever. It took their parents away or anything like that. But with Hana, she loved wrestling. And I think that's so cool. And, and it really shone through in her, not just her performances, but how she talked, how she acted. And she was just a blessing upon this business. Yeah. I don't know what she learned in Mexico per se, in terms of in ring, but I, what I think happened with her is like, she, she got out of Japan and she yeah. saw like, she, she, I think she was exposed to like a different side of the world in terms of like, Hey, I, I'm actually like cool. Like I'm, I, I can be me. And I think she brought that back. That's my, just my, my theory, right? Like she came back with more confidence in herself and like the, and the kind of like the freedom to just be the kind of like um, character, so to speak that she wanted to be like the kind of look that she wanted to do, like being in a wet tie, she was kind of, you know, Oh, I'm going to be this ninja character for lack of a better comparison, because like she had the tabby boots and she the kind of like, you know, styling of her costume was kind of to be like, kind of, you know, reminiscent of like, you know, kind of a ninja or something like that. And being, you know, at a tie was like, you know, kind of, you know, passed down to her from her mother because Kyoko Kimura was one of the wrestlers that started Oedo Tai, right? So I, I think when she escaped from that, she obviously like, you know, left Oedo Tai very violently during her, her longtime partner, Kagetsu, and then forming uh, Tokyo Cyber Squad with like, kind of like, you know, like other wrestlers who didn't fit in in some of the other factions like jungle kiona like was didn't feel respected by other members of stars so she was really happy and i think she grew as a wrestler as a personality jungle when when she joined up with hana and as well with as with you know konami and so i think that was a really important like group for those two as well as with with hana but you know the 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 big thing with hana is like that i can remember is i got to see some of her last matches i got to see her um, team with Kagetsu in one of Kagetsu's last matches before she retired and she went back to her Tai look that was on January 3rd of 2020 that was at Shinkiba First Ring one of the most intimate venues that, that you can watch wrestling in and it's like she's not more than like you know at, at at most, like there, I think I was on the side of the ring where Oto Tai was, and then she's like, I, I can see her, like I could, yeah, she's like six feet away from me, Dell. That's like the furthest she's away from me for the most part. It's like, oh, that's really cool. And then I got to see her in the Tokyo Dome. You know, she is part of the dark match, the stardom offer match that um it's never been broadcast. It's probably not gonna be broadcast for a long, long time once they get the, the television rights for that thing sorted out. But like it was her teaming with Julia against Mayu Itani and and you could tell like Bushiroad who had just, who had, you know, recently had bought stardom was like, okay, these four are, are, you know, there are, you know, four musketeers essentially. Right. If you were going to make the analogy with new Japan, it's like um, Hana was going to, well, I would like maybe like kind of like the main event scene of like new Japan of modern era would be like, you know, Mayu was going to be Tanahashi in my opinion. Uh, Hana was going to be, I don't know. She was going to be um, Naito. I think Julia was meant to be kind of like the Okada 
character. I'm still figuring out, like, maybe maybe Arisa was going to be, like, you know, like, uh, Shinsuke, you know, because of, like, she had kind of a similar style to him with the, with the martial arts and stuff like that. But, like, you can tell, okay, they're going to put all their eggs with these, with these four. And it's kind of come true with Julia, and I think with Mayu as well. Um, Arisa, unfortunately, had to retire, and you know, and Hana's no longer with us. But I, I do think, like people like Tom Nakano, have stepped out and and kind of occupied that space that that maybe you know would have been for for Hana if she if she didn't pass away. Yeah, you know, for the company's sake, um, you know, you mentioned that it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that, and I think you going back to what you said at the start. Um, to me, Hoshiki, Hoshiki's uh, retirement really hit me personally uh, in, in a lot of ways. And Hana, obviously, it was a tragic scenario. But Hoshiki, for those who don't know, uh, we have a very similar injury. Uh, and I got this like same thing that she has in her head that made her retire. And the same thing basically happened to me in my own <laughs> wrestling uh, pursuits. Uh, so it was really, really hard hitting. And she was one of my favorite wrestlers anyway, you know, like when it comes to Hoshiki. So like that really hit me on a personal level. We were talking about it off the air. I still have some kind of like symptoms and stuff uh, from that to this day. So uh, that really hit me personally when that happened. Uh, And Hana obviously was very tragic for the company's perspective, losing two of your top four stars. It was clear that those were the stars that they were going to build around your four pillars, uh, four musketeers, whatever. And, you know, looking at Stardom's history, it feels like from the beginning, it, you know, they've gone through people leaving or, you know, having to retire due to injury all the way back to Yusupon, obviously. And whatever's happened, they've always been able to see somebody new rise up in their position. And I think Tam Nakano has done a fabulous job. And, uh, you know, I really wish that Hoshiki could have been there when she won the white belt. That would have made that moment like perfect. Uh, for me but still Nakano's done an excellent job and she's right up there and they have a ton of young talent as well on the company I I really enjoy their shows in general even now uh, so I, I will give them credit for that just in terms of a purely a wrestling type of show so I really got to give Stardom a lot of credit for being able to move on but um, still though I when it comes to Hana Kimura uh, I, I wish they would have handled that all a lot better, uh, to be honest with you, uh, when it came to Hana and her mom. And even now, you know, we're talking about her show uh, that's coming up. Everybody's talking about. But uh, thankfully, the, the good thing about that is that people that were close to her, like Jungle, Konami, they're at, they're, you know, they're going to be at a Hana show. You know, they were going to say, so I, I really, really loved that that fact that's happened and their friendship still shines through uh, to this day. Yeah, that's and for people not might not be familiar, there is a Hana Memorial, Hana Camaro Memorial show that's happening on, on Fight TV. There's going to be, uh, I think, English commentary provided by Ring of Honor's uh, Ian Riccoboni and Cheeseburger because she did some work for for Ring of Honor. Um, I think that's kind of like on demand. Like you can watch that, you can buy it and just watch it at any time there, Dylan. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely I've, check I've... that out. All the proceeds go to like you know Kyoko Kimura and 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 Hana's family. So like, go out and support that. Absolutely. I, I bought that right away. Uh, I, I'm recording with you, so I, I can't really watch it right now, but uh, I, that is appointment viewing for me. I, I kind of posted on Twitter. I was like, man, if there if there's a, not a show that doesn't deserve your support more than this, I don't know what it is, uh, you know, because uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, my only prayer for that show, uh, to be honest with you, because I'll, I'll, 
when you look on the timeline today and you look around, you see everybody who loved Hana, which was pretty much everybody, you know, uh, she was just a, a magical kind of character and person in general. Uh, I've seen a lot of pain, you know, a lot of people are hurting over this and I can only scratch the surface of what like a Kyoko Kimura must've been feeling throughout all of this. And it's like, I, my one prayer on the show is that it really helps her in some ways because uh, she's been through a lot. Uh, it's been a crazy year for uh, a lot of people, but especially her. My heart goes out to her. Jungle, uh, you know, she was there for everything. So I, I'm really, my thoughts right now, even as we do this show, are with uh, those people that are closest to Hana. And I hope that that show can help give them some kind of, uh, maybe not inner peace. You know, I don't know if that's ever possible. I can't really relate on a personal level to losing somebody that close. Um, I, you know, it's, it's just crazy stuff, but still I am so hopeful that that's what can happen from the show. Those girls and women can have some sense of peace from, from this. Definitely. Definitely. Um, let's transition though, from, from, from Anna to like, you know, stardom. It's uh, the company that she was most closely associated with. And I, I have to say, Dylan, like, you know, recently, probably I got to say stardom is probably my favorite wrestling company in the world right now. Like I can watch like their shows, like from beginning to end. And I don't feel bored. I don't feel insulted, you know, half the time when I'm watching this stuff, I think everything on the card leads is leading to something down the line and and, and it makes sense and i think they have one of the strongest you know um championship rosters right now like every champion is is great like you know like and i think they fulfilled their roles perfectly um i can watch like you know like one of the later may shows like watch it top to bottom and i just thought you know this is this is what a perfect american style television show would be like but it's but it's you know it's a japanese promotion which isn't formatted the same way as an american you know wrestling television show like like you know like the smackdown or or nxt or dynamite is supposed to be like but to me it felt like one of those but like a good one do you know what i mean yeah absolutely uh you know when it comes to stardom they uh they're at a really interesting time uh, you know, right now in general, where you can look at things, they're trying to, I feel like they have a lot of different styles stylistic, stylistically on their roster of actual wrestlers, and they're all coming together in different things. They obviously are a very story-heavy company, and that's something, you know, especially, uh, you, you know, when it comes to the Bushi Road influence, but even before that, they were very heavily targeting the Western audience with a lot of their translations and things like that they were really pretty much the first company to be honest with you i'm pretty sure they had translations and stuff before new japan did uh on their stardom service stardom world and i've always been so happy to uh support them and watch their shows and in terms of the booking uh, in terms of the pacing of their shows i completely see where you're coming from there that it feels like you could have shows that are like a really good uh american style show uh, you know, if it was all on TV, I could t- I could totally see that. One thing I I want to really point out as a highlight for me is our you know is the work of the current tag team champions, and that's the Donna Del Mundo duo of Shuri and Julia. Like they had an awesome title match where they won the titles from their 
Donna Del Mundo, like stablemates of uh, Micah and uh, Himeka. And that, that to me is like one of my favorite matches of this year. And they since have had like an awesome defense against the uh, Queen's Quest duo of Azumi and Momo Watanabe. And they just defended it against the, uh, the MK sisters of, of uh, Mayu Iwatani and uh, Starlight Kid. And na- next, is is like they're going to be you know challenged by Utami Hayashida, who is the current World of Stardom champion, and her t- regular tag team partner Saya Kamitani. And I think that match is going to be excellent. And I'm I'm hoping they they retain the titles because I just want to see them defend these titles against different duos in in the company, including I would love to see a rematch against them and Micah and Himeka in the future. Yeah, that uh, I I liked all of their matches. I've seen them. Uh, the one where they won the titles was obviously a, a huge deal uh, for them, especially, you know, Julia a month coming off of the hair loss and everything like that. So it really got to establish them. I loved the Momo and Azumi match that they had. That, that's like those four, Julia, Shuri, Azumi, and Momo. That's like four of my top eight probably in, in, in the whole company. Uh, and it's like those all of them are so good. Uh, Azumi is somebody that always stands out to me and I think is one of the more underrated talents in terms of the grand scheme of wrestling, you know, analysis, journalists, fans, whatever. I, I feel like her work is so top tier every time I'm impressed with her and, and against a variety of opponents and different styles and, and how she not only wrestles for herself but makes others look better. Shuri is one of my favorite Joshi wrestlers of all time. To be honest with you, I, I've seen her for a long time now, uh, you, you know, in many different companies, and I've always thought her she was awesome. Great style, MMA background as well, uh, super stiff, so smooth, so fluid. I just love her style. Julia, somebody, uh, again, I, I've seen her pretty much since her first match in Japan, and the way she's grown is incredible uh, to the wrestler she is today. Uh, she's somebody that's really benefited, I think, from wrestling so many matches against, again, a variety of opponents that, again, she was somebody that, like we were talking about earlier with Hana, her star power, the it factor was always there, even back when she, you know, as soon as she stepped foot in a wrestling ring and it made tape, you knew that she had something. The wrestling wasn't always there at first, obviously, that's, that's no knock on her, that happens to everybody, but to see her now, it's like she is such a complete package. They made a pretty wise, uh, you know, wise decision to put her as one of the top stars and probably one of the fu- the future ace of the company uh, as Julia and Momo. Pretty much everybody I know really appreciates her work, and I think she's one of the more underrated, not underrated in terms of the fans, but maybe underpushed talents in the company. And I, 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 I thought that match was fantastic. But any team that Shuri and Julia go against. I feel like you're in for a treat because that team is just so strong and they are both hitting it out of the park right now. I got to say like, because like, you know, unlike you, like my, one of my blind spots of a Japanese wrestling is, is Joshi wrestling. And that it's especially true for like Joshi wrestling of the past. So, you know, I can't really make a parallel comparison to like, you know, Joshi from before, but what I want to do is like say about like, this team of Shiri and Julia is that they remind me of like a 1990s all Japan pro wrestling tag team. Well, it's okay because like a lot of times the, that era was kind of a dark period for Joshi. Uh, things are way better now, honestly, than they were 10 years ago, so to speak, which, you know, Shuri was coming up. 
but I, I could see it, to be honest with you, especially their match style, like in terms of how they pace their match, not necessarily their wrestling style. Uh, you know, Shuri, especially is someone more akin to like, you know, not, not to cause any craziness to happen here, but like Inoki would be like, ah, you know, like that, like if he if she, he were to start a women's division in Japan in like the 90s and Shuri was teleported there, she would be the ace of the company, you know, in terms of the, the women's wrestling, I would say. Uh, Julia is a, a, hu- a huge star presence. Again, it factor. Anybody could see it. Uh, you know, she could definitely be up there. But I think in terms of the way the matches, they're always upwards of 20 minutes. They're working some of the longest matches at Stardom because Stardom's not a long match company as much as some of the other ones out there. Uh, so to see them... Which, which I'm thankful for, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, listen, it sets them apart. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But uh, they work their matches a little bit longer, though, like but similar to those old-school tag matches you're speaking of. And obviously, that era was great. And they're the type of team that you could center this whole division around and it'll just elevate the titles and the whole division pretty much because these are two top stars. They're great workers, fantastic. Everything about them, really, charisma, looks. Shuri, super underrated in terms of her charisma, I feel like. Uh, everyone kind of sees her as like this shooter type of wrestler, but uh, if you look at some of her promos and the way she carries herself, it's, it's, everything about her is awesome. I think uh, she's, so- yeah, I think she's kind of like really grown, especially with her interactions with uh, Utami Hayashishida because she's like, you know, starting a rivalry with her. She wants to challenge for, for her red belt soon. And I want to talk about Utami. Like, I think she's done an amazing job as the world of stardom champion. Like, usually, sometimes, you, you know, you, the, the red belt kind of takes a backseat to the white belt, even though the white belt is kind of like meant to be kind of like the, the IC title of the company. But depending on who's holding it, sometimes it becomes like it elevates to become the main title of the company. But I think Udami's just done an excellent job with that. Um, let's talk about the white champion, that, and that's Tom Nakano, who's also one-third of the Artist of Stardom Champions, which is the, the trio's title in the company. And and one thing I like about the trio's division right now is that the Cosmic Angels of of Tam and uh, uh, Unagi Sayaka and uh, Mina Shirakawa are just like i like that they're a unit there's only three of them they're not a faction they're just the three and they feel like a real tag team yeah that was a great move uh, splitting tom apart from stars it's clear that there was uh, some kind of change when it comes to bushi road in terms of in the past in stardom they would do the draft and the it would always be three or four factions and you know like my you would pick somebody and then you know, so-and-so would pick somebody else, you know, Momo would pick somebody, blah, blah, blah. And they could tell some interesting stories with that, but they, whenever Bushiroad got in there, it felt like they abandoned all of that and went to a much more traditional faction, you know, formatting. And Tom has been one of the great ones to benefit from it because with this Cosmic Angels group, like you said, they fit together stylistically, first of all, and that, that's great. It's great for Tom because it makes her look like, a you know, instead of being second fiddle to Mayu, which she always was going to be in stars, she gets to lead her own faction and can break out in her own way. And for the others, they have a link now that puts them near the top of the card automatically. So it really benefited all three in so many ways. It was a really great booking decision to put them together. And I and I got a you know shout out to you know the current high speed champion which which is Natsupoi. I think since coming into the company and she used to be in Stardom before with like Sariano and then they both left and then she came back you know jumping ship from uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling to join Stardom. But like 
you know, she became like kind of the, you know, the newest member of Donald Delmundo's like, well, she's going to get lost in the shuffle. Maybe. No, she had the awesome match where she won the high speed title. I was from Azumi, the aforementioned Azumi. That was an awesome match. And she's had awesome defenses of that title. And I think she's really stood out. And I, th- I can see her eventually like rising higher in the card and higher uh, in terms of the, the roster. To me, I have to give all credit to Azumi. Because it felt like when she wrestled her, it unlocked some kind of secret level to Natsupoi. Because when she came in, and here's the thing, like, she's had a very interesting career up and down. Uh, you know, she's jumped from different companies. Uh, she was in Actress Girls for a while. Um, you know, there's rumors of heat pretty much everywhere she's went, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you. And some of the things that she's had to deal with, maybe, uh, you know, not fitting in somewhat. But she found her way back to stardom. Uh, new name, new gimmick. Maybe that was a sign that like, hey, you know, she was just her real name on the other, you know, the other promotions, uh, Natsumi Maki. But then she comes in, new name, Natsupoi, new look. Uh, we're in Donna Del Mondo. They made a big deal out of her coming in because remember, that was during the era where, where it felt like there was a new wrestler debuting every week in, in stardom. But hers got a very special debut because remember, all of the faction before the week before she came in did her pose. Uh, coming in, and everyone was like, oh, crap, Natsumi's coming in. And then uh, she came in, and I thought she was really not that impressive, to be honest with you, for for the first six months. One of these people, kind of like you were saying, get lost in the shuffle. Then she wrestles Azumi, has a super banger of a match, like Azumi always does. And ever since then, it's like she took that momentum, and it was like, hey, I am still... Because when she was in Tokyo Joshi Pro, everybody thought that she could be somebody there. You know, she had a lot of talent. It was, you know, one of the better people there. So then she came in and she was, uh, you know, it took her a little bit to find her footing. But now that she's found it, it's like, oh, yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. And she, I totally agree with you. She's this whole roster up and down is like loaded. I, I feel like with so many people, uh, great additions they've hired. They got people that I, I were fans of before they came in, people that I didn't expect them to bring in. And they found a way, whether it's Micah, Himika, you know, Shuri, you know, Unagi Sayaka. It's like all of these people that have come in and been new uh, people, new wrestlers on the roster for the last couple of years. And they just did a wonderful job with all of them. And they have all stepped up as well. And Natsupoi is right near the top of that list. She's got a big future ahead of her. Yeah, and, and and they're in the the midst of their their Cinderella tournament. I love the, the first round of this, and I just finished watching the, the the show with the second round and quarterfinals, and I'm just really you know excited about like the semifinals and the finals that are going to be coming up in in the near future. Um, what did you think about the second round and quarterfinal? I, I like what I, I like the first round a lot more. I thought there was a lot like more surprising decisions in the booking, but what I love about the second round is like there, the, the goal seems to be for this whole Cinderella tournament, get the, the, the younger talent over, get like the stars that you know, the wrestlers who don't have titles get, get some shine and create like these kind of new rivalries among the different members of each of different factions. And, and I think it just really has made the company a lot fresher, especially I think I'm really happy about, you know, like, the progress that I think Unagi Sayaka has made in, in this tournament. And I think like, she's someone to keep an eye out. Like that. I don't know if she's going to win the whole thing, but I think, you know, she'll have a good showing from here on it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I love what she uh, has done. She's another one where I felt like when she first came in, I was like, 
oh, okay, you know, she she's okay, pretty much. But then now you see her lately, and it feels like she's really growing into that role. And I love seeing it. I, I love seeing everyone succeed and live up to their promise. As far as the tournament itself, I would say her beating Shuri was a, a bit of a surprise uh, in the second round. I, I really didn't see that, or the quarterfinals, technically. Uh, I really didn't expect that. And the thing is, I love the Cinderella tournament because it's a great way for new fans. Maybe you haven't seen these people. You get a chance to wa- to watch them, and it's like an entry point into the whole company, you know, especially this tournament. You can say it about any tournament, Champion Carnival G1 and New Japan Cup if there's a single elimination, blah, blah, blah. But with the Cinderella tournament, Every match is bite-sized, so you're getting a snapshot of the entire roster, pretty much, and it gives you a little bit. It's like nobody's going to sit here and probably, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but the odds of there being a match of the year outside of the final, probably, is very low. You're just getting to see what these girls are about. So you get to see them wrestle, and they all done a great job. Uh, I wouldn't say there's any match that was, like, super standout. But they're, none of them are bad either. Like I said, it's more like they're a, a really good standout uh, but, or a really good snapshot, rather, of, of the show. One thing I, I like about the format of the show, of, of the tournament, is the way you can win is like a submission pinfall. But you also, if you eliminate your opponent off over the top rope, and usually what happens a lot of these matches is like, you know, like an elimination will happen because both wrestlers are have gone over the top rope, but they're on the, they're fighting on the apron. And you get kind of like these apron wins which don't really count traditionally because that's not like how you would normally wrestle, you know, win a match. So you can have like Unagi defeat Shuri that way, but it doesn't really hurt it. It, it doesn't hurt Shuri, but it, it doesn't make, you know, Unagi look bad. In fact, it, it helps her, but it doesn't hurt the opponent. I think you saw a lot of those kinds of eliminations in the first round. And I think it, it helped the winner of those matches, but it didn't hurt any of the losers. And I think that's really important because you're saving like you're teasing some of these bigger matches like like that you know Sherry had with Utami they 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 fought in the second round yeah. but and and but it doesn't detract from what when they're going to have a like their their proper singles match hopefully for the red belt because they didn't have like like a 30 minute time limit or a 60 minute time limit and they didn't you know the the decision wasn't uh, a pinfall or a submission so i think you've saved you you teased that match but you saved it and, and you created something interesting within the tournament itself but you you created even more excuse me more interest in like the company as a whole and and the the, the feud between those two as a whole absolutely it's a it's a great tool that they're using and you can see it now i mean this the the final four here yunagi himika Mika, saya kamatani they are pushing the young wrestlers and putting them over in this with this unique way that they probably wouldn't want to do. That's not like you would probably have, you know, uh, you know, Mayu doing a, jo- a job to Himika in six minutes under normal circumstances. But now with the rules of the tournament, you can get Himika over or anybody over and you know you don't have to worry about so much like oh like you said it's not a normal match so it's really uh, again more like a bite-sized version of what these girls could do together and you know that it's going to be something great with some you know like a a a pair like shuri and utami when they get together we know it's going to be a banger and to continue this feud that way is a great use of the tournament and and you know then it totally led to shuri 
putting over Sayaka. And so it was like really good booking, I thought, to the way they formatted it and set it off with Shuri, particularly. She was like the lightning rod uh, or, or the catalyst of this tournament in a lot of ways because she got the win over Utami, the red belt champion, and then put over somebody that was a little bit unexpected. So it was like you get double the bonus stuff. And so I, I really love the booking of the tournament. So let, let's let's close off our stardom talk with your prediction of the final four. Who's going to take the whole the whole kit and kaboodle? Who's going to win the dress? Who's going to make the challenge for whatever belt they want? Who's the ultimate? Who's going to be the Cinderella winner of twenty twenty one? Dylan, in your opinion? Okay, so I think it cannot be Saya because she just had her red belt match versus Yutami. When it comes to Himika and Micah, they're more known as a tag team, but they, you know, currently Donna Delmondo is represented by Shuri and Julia. You know, Sayaka is in Cosmic Angels, which would be an interesting story. And she probably got, uh, uh, you know, she was in the main event of that show, uh, that, you know, the second round. So that seems like something that could be a little bit of a tip off. I think, though, if you look at what they did last year in the five star Grand Prix, Himika was who they focused on. And I think this might be her time. Uh, I, th- I think with all four being youngsters uh, and there are, you know, some of them have been wrestling longer than others, but still they're all relatively fresh faces and they have done a great job. I think Himika is going to be the one to take it. All right. I, I can, I can see that. I would, I would agree with you, but I do think there's something to be said about the recent push of Micah in the company. So yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of like torn. Like I, I don't believe it's going to be Saya. Kavitani, I don't think it's going to be, you know, Unagi because I, I don't think Unagi's on that level right yeah. now. Yeah. I think she's still a work in progress. But Hinaka, I think it would be a really interesting match because they're like Utami is also a power wrestler and Hinaka is like, a, you know, like a power wrestler because of her size. And, and but Micah would be a real, you know, styles contrast, in, which I think makes for great wrestling matches. So I, I'm going to lean, you know, you can, you go with Hinaka. I'm going to, I can see that, but I'm going to lean more towards Micah winning the whole thing because I do think they're very, very high on her. To be honest, I, like if you ask me who I preferred, uh, we did the show for this March Madness a couple of months ago, and these two actually met in the tournament uh, on, on my Joshi show uh, I did with the Jumping Bomb Audio guys, and that was a lot of fun. But in it, I basically said that, look, they have gotten behind Himika more, and Micah's gotten – she's risen up more steadily. But if you look at who they – how they wrestle, I actually – prefer Micah as well so I kind of hope you're right but I think that they're going to play the it's a you know that's a rematch of last year's final in the five-star Grand Prix it was Himika and Utami so that's really where I'm coming from with my prediction but if Micah wins I'm, I'm totally on board with this uh, because I think she's a fantastic wrestler she's really grown a lot fast you know uh she, and Utami it's like you know we talked about it with the, the, these others like Julia it's like you know it took them a little time Utami it's like the minute she stepped foot in that ring it's like okay this is somebody we need to watch and Micah kind of the same way it's like within 10 matches she's you you know she's already a tremendous worker so it's crazy how some you know some people can pick up on it so fast like that yeah well you know like like you say if 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 himika wins i'm not gonna have a problem with that because i think it'll still if her her and tommy 
go for the red belt and it's it's a it's an epic I, i'm perfectly fine with watching that and talking about it uh dylan let's move on let's move on to new japan pro wrestling the, the uh, this is uh, what everybody the, wants us to talk the, about here. the 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 brother promotion in the bushi road family to stardom the the inferior product yeah i fucking said it the inferior product to stardom booking wise the way the champions are presented and really it, it, they're in a complete shitstorm right now because they're the you know the the, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Will Ospreay um, injured his neck during uh, his match against Shiko Takagi on May fourth at Wrestling Dontaku, and he vacated. And it was serious enough, Dylan. Like like this is Will Ospreay. This is the guy who suffered a serious neck injury in a match against uh, you know Marty Skrull for the junior title, and then you know like what a week later. Flew over to, to 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 America from Japan to wrestle like a hundred fucking times during WrestleMania week, you know, over there, and all with this really bad neck that like you could tell like he he did suffer in the match against Skrull. But this is this is the guy who like will who I'm sure fulfilled a dream of his and was like prepared to carry this company on his back with being the the world champion during this really trying time of, of like the, the COVID pandemic in, in Japan, which is getting really, is getting hard, really hard. Like I think more so than maybe any other country in the world right now, because of their, their really poor vaccination plan over there. But, you know, new Japan is really fucked right now. Like I'm not trying to be smart or funny or anything like that. Like seriously, they're, they're really fucked right now. Like that Osprey, you know, had was so seriously injured that he had to, you know, vacate this title. A title, I'm sure he was like, like pl- had a lot of plans for in terms of like, I'm going to use this, I'm going to elevate this belt as much as I can. I'm going to like use it to elevate myself. That he vacated it. He's gone back to the United Kingdom to to recover. But you know what? Like, you know, like one of the things that I was like hearing from other people was like all these kinds of, you know, theories and rumors that maybe he's not actually injured that maybe he's really dissatisfied with the company right now with the way they've handled covid with the way they've handled their insane schedule and like um and like you know a lot of of the the foreign talent that gets imported into japan by new japan are not happy with new japan that's like the general like gist of what i'm hearing i like and these are all like this is all secondhand folks like i'm not getting this source from like people who are in the company but i'm getting it sourced from people who know people in the company so dylan what do you think do you do you do you buy this idea that will osprey is not actually injured that he's he's like not seriously injured that is but like he's got this cumulative like injuries that he suffered and that you know maybe wrestling shingles not gonna help that in any way shape or form you know because of the way they you know they wrestled each other on in that match but like that this idea that like he's as dissatisfied as like maybe your David Finley's or Jay White's with the company, and that I, I, fuck it, I'm 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 just gonna go home because like New Japan doesn't know what they're doing. So this whole situation, everything that's being said, alluded to, and God knows what else by, by uh, so many people. It's not just one thing. I feel like, you know, like all of those things could be true or none of them could be true in a lot of ways. As Sting once said at WCW, the only thing that's for sure is nothing is for sure. But I'm going to give my thought of this because when that injury and that title, uh, you know, vacancy was announced, my first thought was, oh, 
like this must be an angle of some sort. Like because why would this come out three weeks later after all of their shows have been postponed and moved back? It's like did he not get a doctor's check before all all of this? That was my first thought. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying what I thought. Also, remember that I used to wrestle, and that makes me very paranoid and cynical uh, as, as well. So you have to take me with a grain of salt on that. But that was my first thought. was like, this makes no sense to be real. Like you mentioned, I, I know that as well, is that he's a guy that's known for working through injuries and things of that nature. So I really wasn't buying this at the start. I didn't really say that because I felt bad because it was a neck injury and things like that. You know, you, I, I personally don't want to mess with a neck injury because that can really mess up somebody's life, not just as a wrestler, but as their life. So uh, I try to handle that kind of subject matter sensitively. Uh, but that was really what I was thinking at first, in all honesty. Then all of this stuff comes out. I like that we're hearing about it, all these rumors and whatnot. Nothing's for sure. Again, I'm not saying it's a, a definitive fact. I'm just reacting to what we're hearing. And with all of the pieces, and some things have been said, uh, you know, like I was saying uh, on uh, JBL's podcast, uh, Dave Finley, Finley's dad, Fit Finley, obviously, some people would say, uh, he was mentioning that, you know, the company at first they said, hey, you can go home. And then they said, no, wait, you can't go home. We actually have house shows to, to run now. Uh, and that seemed to really be a big part of a lot of frustration, which wasn't necessarily uh, the promotion itself just being careless or was it a miscommunication error? You know, it seems like there's a lot of communication errors right now uh, in that company going on from like the top down you know it, it feels like a really hectic situation the pandemic has caused a lot of issues and on a personal level again this is me speculating i don't know will osprey at all but to me it's like you're seeing the pandemic you're you're i think for, i do think he is injured like let me just say that right now i think you know if they you know his life was on the line could he wrestle and get through whatever they need him to i think he could I don't think the injury is necessarily that bad, but I do think, know that he's hurting in a lot of ways, and I'm sure he it would probably be good for him to take some time off. But on top of that, you see the pandemic, you see the company, they're miscommun- you know, there's miscommunications going on up and down. People, a lot of people are, are said to be pissed, not just him, but a lot of people. And uh, some people are saying not even just the foreigners, but the, you know, a lot of people are not happy with what's going on in New Japan right now and how they're handling a lot of things. So you see that. You see things are getting upset. Uh, you see that, and this is something that I haven't seen anyone mention, but so when he was first signed to New Japan and he was going to live there and all of this, B Priestley was there and she's not there now. I do think the timing of that is very interesting that a month later, you know, he had a way of life. He was living on top of the world and suddenly things have changed. Uh, you know, things are getting worse and worse in Japan. He's, he's losing the person that was the, closest to him and i think that that could have some psychological effects on him as well so i do think that, that is a, a possible thing because you know we heard about him moving to japan now they're saying he wants to go to the uk if he if it was necessary why wouldn't he you know if, if all things were perfect for him why wouldn't he just get things done in japan if he were happy there but instead he's going back to the uk and it seems like there's just a lot of uh a lot of moving parts to all of this but to me 
to, the short answer is I'm not really buying that this injury was that devastating that it caused him to, to vacate the title in my heart of hearts. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know for sure. But to me, I, I think there's a lot in play that's that made this happen. I think a lot of the talent there, whether they're Japanese or foreign, are really upset with how they've handled COVID. Like now, like, you know, they were getting praised last year because they shut down and they were very, they took it very, very seriously about like, oh, someone had an elevated, you know, temperature in the temperature check. So we're going to, we're going to cancel this show. And you'd be like, as, as you know, someone who's observing this is be like, oh, good. They're doing, they're being responsible, right? They're, they're trying to protect their staff, but like they've had nine confirmed cases. Like we don't actually, we know who two of them are. Because it was revealed, like I, I, I give shout out to Voices of Wrestling. They they kind of broke the story that you know Jay White and David Finley apparently have COVID. They caught it in Japan. They were set to go home, respectively. I think to back to America. And I with, with Jay, I'm not sure if he's like I know he he stayed in 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 America for a long time during the the the, the, the last you know kind of like you know lockdown kind of situation. Like he didn't go back to New Zealand, so I don't know if he was going to go back to the states or he's going to go back to New Zealand but neither of them can leave they're, they're they they were told like you got COVID you can't you can't travel you gotta you gotta quarantine until you're over it and, and you get a get tested again before you can get on the plane again and then they have to do these 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 last minute shows that were just announced to make up for the the the, the, the Yokohama Stadium show being canceled the fucking Tokyo Dome show the the ridiculous idea of having a Tokyo show in the middle of the fucking year like get canceled and like I I get upset because as a fan, this doesn't make any sense to me. But I also get I get upset as a fan of like the wrestlers because like I I will always side with the wrestler over the company every time. Whether it's WWE, Absolutely. New Japan, All Japan, I don't fucking care what company it is. I will in in most cases if there's a dispute between a wrestler and a company, ninety percent of the time I'm going to side with the wrestler. And in this case, I I side with the wrestlers. Like they're being jerked around. I think the office is getting it, it doesn't know what they're doing obviously like i i think i you know i bang on about the booking but i think that's ghetto trying to like yeah i, he, I think he's had his time i think him and dick togo need to fucking go but you know i give i'll give him some like leeway in the sense like he's got to fill this stupid fucking schedule because like i think you know new japan's probably got some financial problems that they're trying to dig themselves out of and then their 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 solution is like let's have more shows but hey you know to spend money to make money you have to spend money but if you spend that money and you don't get the fucking money back well you're still you're 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 still not making fucking money are you i suspect uh, you know we were talking about this on dm earlier I suspect that this all has to do with some kind of end game number. And I'm not sure what that would be, uh, but you know, I, I again, I'm just, uh, this is not the real number, but just for example, let's just say Bushiroad said you have to have a million fans uh, by year's end. They want to put that number down no matter what, like well, however many shows it takes be damned, but they want to put that number down because Bushiroad, uh, again, financial problems for New Japan, yes, but if they show they're worth investing in, that will go a better way than if they just have nothing to show for it, pretty much. Not only then, you will also have financial issues, but also then you have nothing to really show for it. If they ha- And this is, again, speculation by me, but if they have an in-game number like that, they could go to Bushiroad and say, hey, look, the pandemic forced our hand, but we still had this many people that were in attendance for our shows. Uh, I think that would mean something. I think that's their thinking. Again, this is just um, an educated guess, I, I guess you could say. 
on how they're thinking of why they're doing that. Clearly, I think, and I, I mentioned this on my show too, on the Eastern Lariat a few, you know, a month or two ago or whatever. It's clear to me that they're making this push. And that, and that would also explain why they wanted to have that big Tokyo Dome show. They had two big shows in a month. I mean, that's pretty much unprecedented for normal New Japan standards. Uh, and they keep running Corkman Hall over and over. And, you know, my co-host on my other show, Striga, he was not too happy with, with how many Corkman shows they were running and how terrible they are, all, you know, they all are. And I was saying, look, the pandemic must have caused this in some way because it makes no sense of what they're doing. They, it's clear they must be getting a deal somewhere along the line to help this along. And like I said, that's why speculation that they have some kind of number that they, they want to hit desperately. And they're trying to do all of these shows at Corkin. Then you have the dome show. You have this other dome show. It's like all, over and over, you're trying to do different things. That's why speculation on that. By year's end, I think they want a number of some sort. That's why the, the numbers are how they are. Yeah, but... You know, they, I, I feel like it's just so short-sighted because you're just bastardizing your product by having these big shows like in, in stadiums and back in the Tokyo Dome before oh, Wrestle Kingdom. And and to me, like I like they just announced like, you know, three shows at Cork and Hall, May 24th, May 25th, May 26th. And, you know, they look like shit. Don't like this, this. These cards look like fucking shit. I mean, you got... Who, who you got filling in for people? You fucking Chase Owens and okay, let me, fucking let me you, and people let like me, that. Let me cut you off right there for a second because I don't want to talk about these moves. Uh, Doki's okay. I, like Doki's, Doki's okay by me. I liked his performance last year at the Best of Super Juniors. But that's another thing why I mentioned that about Osprey earlier. That was kind of a, another theory I had. Like if you're in his shoes, you know, regardless of what happens, if there's total disarray, everybody goes. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I'm just saying, regardless of what happens, if everything goes okay, everything gets great, or everything goes bad, you leave now, in, in his mind, in the, the wrestler way you would think here, is that, hey, they like even if they hate me, even if they want to get rid of me eventually, will they throw away a money match with me and Okada? Because I thought that was a big part of it. Again, before we knew any information about anything, my first thought was, oh, they don't want to have Okada and Osprey on a smaller show. They want to have it on a bigger show. And they, they, this is their way out, pretty much, at this weird time that Dick Togo is apparently brought in with his booking uh, to New Japan. And, you know, Gato, obviously, with his craziness uh, as well. But it felt like, to me, they're trying to avoid having big matches at all right now on these smaller shows. And that's why they look so terrible. And you have goofballs like Chase Owens uh, on these shows. And, you know, it's hard to really blame them too much. Half the roster's COVID infected. You know, they're not going to put risk anybody. Even, you know, there's rumors here and there about Okada, but even if he was completely healthy, they're probably not looking to risk him on, you know, look at some of these cards here. They're not risking him in a main event six man tag or a main event tag match that nobody cares about. No, of course so. not. But like, you know, with like with if you want to save Okada versus Osprey for the title, like and, and the and the prevailing theory would be that would, you know, Okada would win the belt back from Osprey. You know, like the way ghetto books is like, you know, guys like Osprey, Jay White, whoever, like even like Naito, the way he was booked, his first title one is like, oh, you know, give, give the fans a taste and like, you know, put the title on these guys for a short while that elevates them. I don't think it does. I think it makes the title look like shit in, in a lot of cases. And then look, look how much that title rate for Jay White made him look like a geek. Like, you I mean, know, he lost it immediately to Okada. 
<laughs> totally bad. It would it would have been better if he won it like in a big moment and just kept the title for like a year. But anyways, yeah. like the problem with with that is like okay, with the theory with that is like you've got Dominion coming up. That's like one of their big fucking shows. That's like their fucking SummerSlam. It's in their in their hottest market outside of Tokyo, and that's Osaka. You know, like they were going to do incredibly well running Osaka Joe Hall. If you especially if you had Okada versus Osprey for the title in that building, like but you know like the the original schedule was you're going to have like these fucking Grand Slam shows at Yokohama Stadium at the Tokyo Dome. And then like two weeks, two, three weeks later, you're going to have the show. You can have Dominion at Osaka Joho. And I was like thinking, what the fuck are you going to put in Dominion? If you run the Okada versus Osprey at the Tokyo Dome, okay, what, what's, what's next? Like, what do you possibly put in there? You're going to, what are you going to, what are you going to bolster the card with? Like, like all your junior heavyweight division has been decimated as well. Like, and I like a lot of the guys who are still around, but like, it's been fucking decimated. And what, what, what match do you have if like you already do Okada versus Osprey for, for Dominion? You've got nothing. I'm sorry, you don't like you, you, would you like, I would not burn Okada versus Shingo for that belt. It would make no sense booking wise to do it. Like, you know what I mean? Because like he lost the challenge against Osprey. But like, I feel like, like Shingo Takagi is like the one wrestler that they got to protect. And I think they got to protect him, like winning the title on a at a big, big event. I'm talking about fucking Wrestle Kingdom. I think that there's uh, that would be, I would be stunned if something like that happened uh, with Shingo. They've really not shown him to be a main eventer at all in their booking. Like the push they gave him these few last few months was like a Goto level push. Like he made the finals, yes, he had the title match, yes, but it was like such a weak. And, you know, spot in the schedule. The match, obviously, a lot of people loved it. That was a, a crazy, awesome match, which is great. But the schedule, it's like you put it in the same month you're going to do a Dome show with Okada. That was a completely filler title defense. I don't think you can read anything into it at all. And I love Shingo, great wrestler, one of the best on the roster. But another thing here you, you have to understand, because a lot of people have kind of said that, that, you know, they brought up Shingo and say, oh, now is the time to put the title on Ishii, which... I love that. <laughs> like, I, w- I would totally do that if it were me. But it, this is not Dylan's New Japan, unfortunately. Or a lot of things would be different if that were the case. But to me, I feel like those guys, you have to understand, those guys are not trainees. You know, they were never young lions. Even Okada started out on a different system, but had to integrate himself in the new Japan system. So I think that's why they book guys like that in a certain way, uh, Sonata as well, uh, in his own way. And Ibushi as well. Like, look who they chose to sacrifice with the uh, title unification insanity that they had. Uh, it feels like to me, they treat their own guys one way and people who are not young Alliance and in their system, another way. And I think Shingo is unfortunately a victim of that in some sense, because as a wrestler, yes, he's super dynamic, super talented, uh, my first thought, again, uh, I'm just going by, this is before we learned anything. My first thought was the winner of the G1 can get the title. Like that's a, a very, you kind of lucked into something that could be special and cool and give your guys something to do. That would give, that to me would be a perfect storyline for Naito as well, because then you have another thing that he could take away from Okada and Tanahashi. That's always like his deal. You know, look at with the double titles. His big thing was, I want to be the first double champion. So they can't, they can never be the first ones. Like no matter what happened, he could be the first one to win the title in the G1 and put, you know, put that over their heads as well, no matter what they do. Uh, I think that would be a great storyline. 
but it seems like they're already kind of teasing that something's going to happen with the, the title sooner rather than later. And like you said, they've got big shows to worry about. So they've not only got big shows, they also have a million Corican Hall shows that they would probably want the world champion on. So I can understand why they wouldn't want to wait that long. The person they teased was Shingo to get the title match. But to me, if I were running New Japan right now, and I hate to say it because like I said, as a fan, I want to see guys like Shingo and Ishii and Goto have great matches and be the champion and win and get rewarded for their hard work because they deserve it. But if it were me, I would think, look, this era of New Japan is so chaotic and crazy. There's, uh, you know, disruptions behind the scenes. The title just got vacated. Your champions left the country. COVID's not getting any better with your own country. The Olympics are throwing a wrench into everything. So it's like there's a lot going on. I would try to pick somebody who has stability, somebody that the fans will always love. You know what you're getting, whether it's an Okada or a Tanahashi or even a Naito. I think that those guys would be the the people I would want to look at right now in the context of everything going on. As a fan, I would love if it was Shingo or someone like that. But to me, I think that their booking pattern, they're historically how they booked. I feel like they're going to go for someone that's more of a stable force. And that's why they're kind of moving this up a little bit faster. And Shingo's a good person for them to like, unfortunately, I feel like they see him as kind of like the guy that they could have lose uh, in a lot of ways, but you have Ibushi right there too. He just did an interview on their website that they put over. It was very interesting too. A lot of the stuff that he was saying, and you have a natural story because in that interview, he was saying something to the effect of, I really want another chance to do it right this time. And I think that's a good story, even though the fans aren't really ready for that. I'm not saying he should win. I said it on the other show. I think he's pretty much unpushable uh, right now because the fans kind of turned on him because of the titles. But I think that's a story you could tell and it would solidify, oh, you know, whoever it would be. I, my gut is always to say Okada is going to win the title. If you listen to my show, whenever there's something to be predicted with New Japan, I usually just lean towards Okada winning everything because that's kind of how they've done for a long time. But right now, things are so up in the air. Who knows what they, they have planned or what rules they, they follow. But if it were me, and I, this is just me analyzing, I would expect someone very familiar to be the champion. Let's put it that way. Well, you mentioned the G1 and the idea that maybe the G1 will crown the new champion. But like I would say that if the G1 was going to be held in, in August – but it's not because like, you know, insane as it sounds with like what 2% of the population vaccinated fully in Japan, they're still going to do, they still want to do the Olympics. (laughs) So guess what? Guess what's not happening in August. Yeah, that's right. The G1, guess when the G1 is happening, probably in October. I don't think new Japan can, can survive without having like a headlining champion, like, on some yeah. of the shows between now and October that, that, that's like, that, that would be even like, like a bigger, like nailing, like not their coffin. I don't think they're going to fucking die or anything like that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's won't, it won't help them with like whatever, you know, like, you know, money situation that they may or may not be in right now. Um, but okay, with that it's being just a said, bad look. it's just a bad look not to have a champion. Yeah. Well, you know what you could have done? You could have had like the IC champ. Oh, wait. They got rid of that fucking title because they're fucking stupid. Okay, you get a, you know, if you had the IC champion, like if the IC title was at the same stature as like when when Nakamura held it, you could survive without the world title for a while, and you could maybe put it up in the G one in, in in the fall if you had like the the the, the IC champion, you know, be defending that title and and maybe elevating that belt at the same time. But you know, I don't know, like so if it was me. 
And I'm thinking, like you're saying, like, I think you hit great points. Like you need stability. You need someone that the fans really believe in. And, but you also need someone who has the, 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 the stature and the cachet and the charisma to be the champion in, in this kind of a difficult situation. And as much as I love Tomohiro Ishii, he does not have the cachet in my opinion, because he's a mid-card wrestler. He's a he's a main event working, like he's a main event talented wrestler who's a who's pushed as a mid-carder. That's 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 his his lot in that company. Who I would go with would probably be Minoru Suzuki, even at his age, but he's still a goddamn amazing worker. And also, you know what? He's got the cachet because he's he's held the title, you know, in every fucking company except New Japan. He's been GAC champion. He's been, you know, triple crown champion. And why should Muto have all the fucking, you know, like <laughs> glory in, in terms of being like a triple crown champion, like of the three major companies. Okay. Let's give it to fucking Minoru Suzuki. I think it would be great if he was a champion. I think he would bring the stability that you're, you're talking about. That would be somebody fresh, uh, you know, that, like somebody who's never hold, held the title before. I mean, I guess technically nobody's held the title before, <laughs> except Ibushi. But, you know, realistically, he's never been the top champion of New Japan. So that would be interesting. His past title runs, I thought, were absolutely dreadful. So I, I as a fan, would not want another Suzuki Goon type of title reign. Uh, you know, so that, that's just me as a fan. But he does have cachet, though. If you wanted to go by that, you wanted to have him have a little bit of a run, that would be kind of a cool thing. And, you know, with everything going on right now with AEW, it seems like there's new stuff going on there every week. Suzuki is somebody that would appeal to the Western fans as well. Uh, you could put him against all kinds of different people, uh, and he, he has a lot of respect in the industry, not just in terms of, of a wrestler. So I think that's a pretty interesting idea. I, I hope it's not like his, all of his other title reigns, though, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, I, I wouldn't want to see like his GHC title reign like fucking re- reenacted in, in New or Japan. His never title reign that he had. I can't remember it. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's a good thing the way you're talking about it. But like, anyway, that's just an idea. Like Naito's not a bad bad like suggestion either like what you're saying but we'll see what happens with the iwgp world heavyweight title um we'll see one way, let me just say this one way or the other regardless of who wins us now okada's winning that title it's like one way or the other uh, and whether it's now or whether it's at the tokyo dome in january like this is all going to lead back to okada like what one way or the other i will stand by that i will stand firm as long as i can on that and before we close our discussion about New Japan, I, yeah, I want to mention that, you know, it was just announced that Satoshi Kojima will make his Impact Wrestling debut. And apparently they've already filmed everything and he's he's up until like the, the next pay-per-view, whatever the fuck that's called. I don't know. I don't fucking watch Impact Wrestling. Come on. Don't be mean. What? How am I being mean? I don't, don't fucking watch, the... I don't fucking know the name. It's bound for fucking bullshit. Is that the name of the, of the pay-per-view? Surely it's, I don't think it's that. That would be, uh, you know, that would not be a good idea, I would say. But I think it's Slammiversary. Well, let's just put it that way. Shamiversary? I call it Shamiversary, okay? Like, Impact Wrestling is bullshit. Let's just be honest here, okay? It's a, it's a shit no. company. It's, it's, it's been shit for since its inception. The only thing they ever got right was Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, and then they fucked that up as well. Okay, but anyway, Satoshi Kojima is going to be new management. WH, there's new management there now. It's everything's different. Who Bullet Club alumni? Fucking Pete Demore. 
you know, Scott Demore, what fuck Scott his name Demore, is? Yeah, yeah what the <laughs> fuck cares? Anyways, anyways how dare you just hey, how dare, how dare you disrespect Team Canada's leader right now? What show am I on right now? Hey, he's on. He's he's a border town guy. I don't count him as Canadian. <laughs> anyways, Kojima's there. Nagata was just in AEW. Your your show partner, my good friend Striga, he said he he had a theory that maybe New Japan is sending all these older guys over to America to work, but also to get vaccinated in America. Who knows? <laughs> like, I mean, that sounds like a really uh, convoluted way to go about it. Uh, how would that benefit New Japan <laughs> exactly? Uh, it's know. like like these guys aren't that important to their booking at the end of the day. Here's like, the other thing. Know, like, I don't think Nagata was in there long enough to get both shots of anything. Yeah, that, that's another thing. It's like these guys are in and out pretty much. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm not sure I'm buying that. But uh, that would be nice if they could get vaccinated though somehow. That, that would be cool. Any, anybody, I think, uh, you know, everybody needs to be safe and do what's best for them. Uh, regardless of their age, but, uh, you know, especially if you're vulnerable on that end, you know, it's like the virus is so, especially in Japan, it's like, I do not consider myself any kind of expert on the med- in the medical field or the political one. So uh, it's just uh, kind of crazy when you think about all of these moving parts in all of these different country- countries and stuff like that. But I mean, who knows, maybe that is some kind of secret plan uh, they've had in place. So, you know, I guess that's one way to, to go about it. So touch Kojima next IWGP world heavy champion. Cause he's fucking, vaccinated against covid in america and so we can trust putting the bell on him and he won't be vacating it because he's got the fucking covid anyways that we'll see if that happens if that happens i'm taking a victory lap on your left that's all i'll be saying every day all day anyways let's move on let's go to all japan for wrestling the anti-impact wrestling because i actually like this company and dylan they just announced that you know they're, they're gonna have their junior battle of glory tournament it's a single elimination tournament the first round will take place on june 2nd quarterfinals semifinals and finals will all take place on june 3rd and some interesting participants we'll, we'll go through the participants as we we talk about the 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 first round matches uh first off is francesco akira taking on tajiri i think that actually surprising will be an enjoyable match because i think you know francesco and and tajiri you know they have that relationship but they they have very good chemistry with one another akira has a great future ahead of him i love that guy he's somebody that's been working um to do a little bit of the English language stuff for all Japan too recently. Uh, so it seems like he's going to be a valuable member of that roster. Tajiri is probably legitimately one of my least favorite wrestlers to watch in the world. Uh, so I, I cannot say I'm looking forward to any of his matches, but to be honest with you, but I, Akira, I hope does great work. Uh, Cause well, I, I mean, really love that kid. If he goes through like, then we won't have to see any more Tajiri in this tournament. Well, <laughs> and that would be great. <laughs> like I, I would love that. You know, maybe Akira could have a, another good match. But Tajiri, I'm always a little bit weary. You know that. Yeah. Hey, th- there's there's a rhyme, there's a, a KRS one level rhyme right there. Tajiri, and that makes me weary. Yeah, uh, it's very good, very nice. I see what you did there. Here's the thing: one, I, like I always try to like see the, the the silver linings in bad situations. So with the the COVID, like you don't see too much fighting in the crowds anymore, which I I fucking hate. So like that's good. Oh, yeah. Also, Tajiri doesn't do the miss anymore because you know COVID. So I, I I take my positives where I can find them. Dylan, next match: Dan Tamara taking on Zero Ones Tatsuhiro Takaiwa. And I I don't know. I haven't seen too much recent Takaiwa, so I don't know what he's like anymore. But he used to be fucking awesome awesome you know what i mean so 
Like maybe the same as he was. <laughs> like very much. It's like bald. He has three moves, and they're all great. And they're all great. Okay, so this is a great learning experience then for for young Dan Tamara, like to wrestle someone that he should be kind of stylistically emulating. Absolutely, like a power junior type of guy. I'm all for this. Takai was awesome, and he always was pretty much. So, just don't emulate, you know, Takaiwa in, in, in the personal life department because I think the man's like in, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the, the the adjective, the proper adjective, but he he he's known oh. to be a gam- he's known to be a gambler, like doing the pachinko and the and the horse racing. I think. Oh, I, I didn't know that part uh, out there. Uh, I just want—I didn't want Tamra to lose his head of hair. That's all. That, that's what I'm worried about uh, wow. here. But uh, listen, Takai was a zero one. I'm sure he's fine. So, so. Uh, oh yeah, because there's no yakuza money or or like no. scandal, possible scandals involving no. all the money marks going through there. No, of course not. Anyways, no. next match: Black Menzere versus Yusuke Kodama. Uh, this should be fine. I don't know. Menzere can have. You know, good matches when he's motivated, and and Kodama has kind of hit and miss for me. But yeah, it, it should be okay. Like if it goes like ten minutes, in and out, that's fine. Kodama stepped up hard when he first came in, but then it's, it's like he's kind of regressed to the mean because he hasn't done anything, <laughs> pretty much. So I feel like he's kind of become unmotivated again, kind of like he was in Wrestle One <laughs> by by the end there. Uh, if they somehow told him they were like, "Hey, guy, you know, Kodama, you're gonna win the tournament." I think he could step up and do some good things. If he's just going to do his re- regular stuff, then this will only be okay. I, I like Black Men's Array, actually. I think he's a pretty good undercard type of worker. And uh, it can be, this seems like a very solid match on paper. Nothing that's going to blow us away, but it's going to be a fine watch and, and easy to get through. The, the next match I'm very excited about. It's uh, young Atsuki Aoyagi, uh, one of their promising you know, junior heavyweights. He's a high flyer himself. He's going to take on the legendary Japanese sleaze indie wrestler, super high flyer, Sugi. Sugi was one of my original favorite wrestlers back when he was in his Yoshitsune gimmick uh, all the way back then. And a million other ones, by the way. Until he how, how about started. his All Japan gimmick of Ahi? Oh, when was that? It was like fucking like Mudo era, you know, booking of all Japan. And he like he was like this fucking like Power Ranger ant bullshit thing or oh, something. Yeah. I don't know. But like I was like, who's this fucking guy? And then someone said, oh, remember, it's Sune and fucking Suki. That's him. He's got another identity. He's got El Blazer. Like, he's got I like the El Blazer. I like when he was El Blazer. He's got like this guy has probably had more identities than like a fucking like. You know, like, well, who was fuck? Who's who's that famous? What's that famous book about split personality? <laughs> anyways, know. anyways, someone's gonna be like <laughs> tweeting me. Wh is this book? Yeah, whatever. Anyways, um, that should be a fun match. I I'm looking forward to see like what what uh, Suki can do with young Atsuki Aoyagi here. Yes, I look forward to what the former uh, catfish man can pull out here uh, versus Aoyagi. And Aoyagi again, it's kind of like what you were saying with Tamara and Takaiwa. Sugi's somebody that he could learn from, like any high flyer, like that's a young guy could, because like Sugi does stuff even today that nobody else can do. 
pretty much with his flying is so impressive. He's not always 100% accurate, you know, when it comes to his smoothness. There are, you know, there's going to be some mess ups here and there, but for the most part, he's pretty freaking awesome, to be, to be honest with you. I think he was a great person to have. Who knows what political nonsense there's going to be with zero one and X zero one guys in, in this tournament. But uh, they're on a different side, it seems like. So I, I doubt that they end up, uh, to Kaiwa and Sugi end up crossing paths. And now, and then we have from, uh, well, he's a freelancer from Basara, from Big Japan Pro Wrestling. It's uh, Fuminori Abe taking on the, the debuting Devil Murasaki. And Devil Murasaki is the new mass member of Purple Haze, identity unknown. But Dylan, do you have the inside scoop? Who, who is Devil Murasaki? Do you know? I know exactly who it is. I can tell right away. Way that it was clearly Buff Bagwell. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be interesting to watch. It. <laughs> his, Buff Bagwell became a junior heavyweight in all Japan. <laughs> we haven't seen him in so long. He's dropped a lot of uh, weight. Okay, you don't know what he's been doing. We don't. We don't. Because uh, if it turns out it's Buff Bagwell, you can do the victory laps uh, on Twitter all day. Every day. Uh, The next match is probably the match I'm not looking forward to watching because it (laughs) features someone I fucking hate. And that's one of the Brahmin brothers. And that's Brahmin K. I don't know, you know, if he's shittier than his brother. What's Brahmin shoe? Shoe. Yeah. Fuck both of them. They fucking stink. Okay. Why this fucking guy is in this tournament. I have no fucking clue, but I just know it's going to fucking suck. Even though he's in with a wrestler that I like in Izanagi, but Izanagi with Brahmin K, it's probably going to be like stupid comedy fucking bullshit wrestling. And it's going to absolutely fucking suck. Yeah. I mean, I said Tajiri was one of my least favorite wrestlers earlier, but at least he was good at some point. You know, Brahmin K. Why would you have one Brahmin and not the other? <laughs> like, whose idea was this again? It seems like to me, all of these guys' booking ideas, uh, Shuji and Tajiri for All Japan, is to bring in really random, sleazy indie guys. Like, that's their entire catalog they brought in, whether it's Jun Kasai, Brahmin K. You know, it's like guys from the underground. It's like, what what are they doing right now? Like, this makes no sense. Literally anyone would have been better, I feel like, than him. Because his whole act, even if you're a fan of his, is as a, like, completely dependent on him as a team. So who's thought this was a good idea to bring him in? It it could have been anybody else. You You know who thinks it's a good idea? All the German wrestling fans. And you know who I'm talking about. Who love things like the fucking Brahmin Brothers. Well, let's let's leave them all out of this. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to say so. You know, I'm dropping facts right now. I'm dropping dropping knowledge, and you're bringing up these other people. Like I, I, I don't know. The other person who's who's gonna love this is fucking my good friend, Macho Outlaw Joey Bay. I know he probably <laughs> loves the fucking Brahmin Brothers. He's listening to this. He's like, WH, what's wrong with the Brahmin Brothers? You know what's wrong with the Brahmin Brothers? Same thing wrong with everything else that shit in Big Japan wrestling. And like, you know, fucking, fucking Abdullah, fucking Ryodohama. It's garbage. Fuck all that shit. Fuck the Brahmin Brothers. It's going to be shit. Uh, is he even a Big Japan guy? I always associate him more with like uh, Mitsunoku Pro. Uh, no, no, not him. I'm talking about Brahmin K. I was saying, is he even a Big Japan guy? Yeah, they, they, with... they've, they've like infected that place with their bullshit and their bowling Yeah, balls I know, I, I know like they've been, but, but I, I'm just saying, uh, shout out to Joey Bay, first of all. You know, I may not like Brahmin K, but I've always got time for Joey Bay. Me too. I love you, Joey. 
you're listening to this. I know you, you're what you're, he, you know, he's like you, he's like an honorary member of post wrestling via this show. So he's also, you know, you know, permanent, like rotating co-host of this show as well, along with you. But the last match that we're going to talk about for this tournament, Dylan, this match I'm, I'm actually quite excited about. It's, it's L Lindemann. I think he's like the zero one junior heavyweight champion. He signed to Glee. Stricka made a mention about this in, in, on Twitter. Got a shout out to Stricka there. But he's going to be fighting. He's going to be in this All Japan tournament, which I fucking love. Elendeman is so awesome. And he's going to fight the the kind of the, the 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 very underrated, talented, but always looks like he's like like a deer in headlights, rising Hayato. It should be a very fun match. I love Elendeman. I hope he actually wins the tournament, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, because he's awesome. You know, I, I love what he brings to the table. So charismatic. Uh, I, I hope the final is, is somehow – I don't even know if this is possible considering the, the the brackets, but somehow they need to rearrange it to where him and Abe are the finals. Uh, so uh, they're, they're my two guys. I hope one of them at least end up winning. Uh, they'll at least be in the semifinals. So uh, very happy to see you, Lindemann. Again, an opportunity to learn from the uh, for for the young rising Hayato. This is a guy everybody can learn from something from. I feel like because he's a very complete worker, so easy to watch, and can do great in any situation against pretty much any worker, even against Brahmin K. He wouldn't be that bad, I think. And I'm probably going to have that tested to look like an idiot by the time we'll find this, out. this match happens. But I'm saying. This is my prediction. It could be the best Brahmin K singles match of his career since the Sailor Boys. Yeah. Can I just ask you something, Dylan? You know, Rising Hayato, what's with this guy's entrance gear? Like, he looks like he's fucking from some fucking anime like Beyblade or some shit like that. Hey, I watched Beyblade at some point. I, I think I see I, I saw it on the, the air and I was like, Wow. <laughs> like they're showing this on TV, but that I could definitely buy that. I, I could definitely buy that. He could be a huge fan. Maybe he could be like a Yu-Gi-Oh type of fan as well. You know, he's a, a what was the oh they called it Vrains, <laughs> like the, the latest version of Yu-Gi-Oh. That's what he's a big fan of Yu-Gi-Oh Vrains. And that's what you, and that's what his like maybe entrance gear is inspired by because he's a big fucking nerd. Okay, absolutely. That's that's cool. Like, hey, the Yu-Gi-Oh, the Yu-Gi-Oh residents stay strong in NXT. Ronnie Mendoza, he used to be known as Jinzo when he was in Japan and Mexico. So, uh, Jinzo is a card in Yu-Gi-Oh as well. So, the Yu-Gi-Oh representing right now, I think Hayato is. Uh, he he's not probably inspired by it directly. He's inspired by it in spirit. Though. Well, maybe not directly because then he get like some copyright trouble. But anyways, uh, that's, uh, it's kind of like how. It's Kotaro, he could do all the Gundam stuff. That's right. Well, he's, he's kind of, he's kind of, we'll get to Kotaro a bit in, 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 when we talked about, you know, Cyber Fight and Pro Wrestling Noah. But, you know, uh, we'll close off our, our All Japan discussion with the, with, with the, uh, the news that Yuko Miyamoto, Dylan, he's come back to All Japan. He's going to challenge Shuji Shikawa for the Gara TV championship. And, and I got to ask you, do you think this is going to be another hardcore match? But, yeah, I could ask you that, but it's a rhetorical question because I don't fucking care because I hate that fucking belt. It's so stupid and it's so ugly. 
it's not the, the most prestigious, I think one could argue. But again, this is what I'm talking about. It's like Shuji, I feel like it's just booking to get his rocks off, I feel like, with All Japan. And it really makes it hard for me to even like this company at all because we saw what happened with Jun Kasai in March and uh, not to mention the one with Yoshitatsu and Jun Kasai, which is even worse. Uh, then you see him put himself over all the top stars in the Champion Carnival and now another hardcore indie sleazy guy, like from Triple Six. And, and Miyamoto's a good worker. I like, so I'm, it's not like I'm so upset that he's coming in, but it's like another hardcore, you know, deathmatch type of guy to do whatever Shuji wants to do just because he's not a champion right now. So it's like he's just doing what makes him happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm probably not going to watch this. You're just going to watch this, Joey Bay. But what about <laughs> what? that belt? That belt is uh, the- God fucking ugly. The belt's off. Like, there's, there's no question that the design, it's like, it's like something I would have won in my old, my old um, uh, promotion. You know, uh, you know, it's so ugly. IWA Mid-South had better looking belts than this piece of shit. Don't praise, don't praise IWA Mid-South. No, <laughs> I'm saying though, like, a company run by fucking Iran had, look- yeah. had better fucking looking belts than the Garo TV Championship. That's just how bad this belt looks but anyways that's that's all japan i'm looking forward to the <laughs> most of of the junior battle for glory not all of it most of it and it's, i'm definitely not looking forward to any garo tv championship title match it's interesting like the, this tournament to be honest with you even though i'm not a fan like there are a couple of guys here that i never want to see wrestle under any circumstances but then there's guys who are awesome and then there's guys who are different and then it's like there are young guys on the come up. I actually, on paper, I really like it, to be honest with you, because there's so much different stuff going on. Again, it's like you have these ter- terrible people. Brahmin K, for as terrible as I think he is, and as garbage as all of his career has been, pretty much, who would have thought that he would have been in a singles junior heavyweight tournament in all Japan? That's at least something so crazy and random that I could kind of get into it. Sugi, I've always loved him. As I said, Aoyagi, that's a great stylistic matchup. Hayato gets a chance. Dan Tamara, another great stylistic matchup. So it's like the tournament itself, even though there are certain parts that I don't like, it kind of works. Like even the parts I don't like, I actually kind of am okay with. So I'm probably going to enjoy watching this tournament. And who knows, it could all come apart. It could be a Tajiri versus Brahmin K final, in which case... I may not have a lot of nice things to say, but well, <laughs> otherwise, I think I'm going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be good. Everybody should check it out. If that's if that's what happens, Dylan, we're definitely going to have a special show just talking about that <laughs> final. You and me. Um, before we get to our last topic, which will be uh, talking about Cyber Fight, and particularly the Cyber Fight um, Festival that's coming up in in June, uh, I want to talk, take a bit of an interlude and talk about like you know COVID nineteen, how how it's been affecting Japan, uh, particularly the the pro scene, especially like some of these other companies that we don't necessarily talk about that often on this show, and and you know it's it's COVID's been hitting like not just New Japan, it's been hitting a lot of the companies, especially with people you know getting getting infected. Unfortunately, uh, for example, in in Dragon Gate, uh, Ben K. He, they announced that he tested positive and like he's got to forfeit all of the the matches he he has left in the the King of Gate tournament, which is like you know it's like their big one of their big you know you know tours of of, of their calendar year. So this really could possibly affect like the outcome 
of the tournament because like i can see ben k being someone who they would maybe want to push to either the finals or to win the whole thing but not only him but like nariki doi who but who i, I don't want to say has been you know infected or test positive because he hasn't but he was in close contact with ben k to the point where they felt okay we're gonna pull him from the shows as a precaution and good for dragate for doing that but i think he has to forfeit a lot of his king of gate matches if not all of the rest of what he had left yeah, they're both out. Um, I think Doi, especially, he was actually my prediction to win the whole tournament uh, because they had Yoshino's retirement coming up in a couple of months, and I thought him winning would be a great storyline. Ben K, love him. I, you know, I think he's a great worker. That block has been decimated, uh, A block. So who knows what they're going to do? They have BB Hulk, Diamante is in there. Uh, so it's like, you know, they, they've got some, you know, the, it was a big blow, to say the least, for that block. But maybe they can they can pull out. You know, it's only one block. Thankfully, you know the tournament's still going to continue for for now, unless something you know kind of an emergency or something. Uh, it feels like everything has been sorted out. They've been as safe as possible about it. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, COVID's definitely had a big impact, and it sucks because you know I've been covering this tournament on our on the Eastern Area Patreon, and I've watched every match. It's a good tournament, honestly. Like you know that there's a lot of good stuff going on. And losing a guy like Ben K is a huge blow in my book. And Doi is a legacy guy. So it really sucked that that ended up happening. But hopefully they can make the best of it. Dragon Gate's one of the better booked companies, I feel like, in Japan. So if anybody's going to be able to get around it, I think they can. And final note about, you know, um, p- uh, positive tests is that Big Japan's Kazuki Hashimoto has also tested positive and he's in, in isolation and in, you know, getting a treatment for to, to recover as soon as possible. And, uh, you know, thoughts out to Ben Kay, Nariki Doi and Kasuki Hashimoto. This is all, this is really terrible. Like it's, it's one thing, like you, you, you get it and like, you know, you can, you know, have support, a support from a you know a big conglomerate type of company like New Japan. I I I would hope that you know like Big Japan is taking care of Hashimoto, that Dragon Eight is taking care of Doi and Ben K, giving them as much support as possible because probably more than likely they got infected on one of, on one of you know because of their work. That's a great point. Um, everything I know about Dragon Gate is that it's kind of like a mom and pop operation almost. And uh, and not like in a good way though. It's like everybody does something to help out. Like you know, like so you know, BB Hulk or whatever will be doing the designs for for everything. Somebody else will be doing this other thing. And it's like everybody kind of does something and pitches in. So hopefully they're taken care of. A big Japan, I, I'm not as confident about to, to be honest with you. But get well soon, Kahash, man. I, I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, as well and anybody even if i'm not a fan of them if they're like the worst worker ever i wouldn't wish this on anybody so hopefully everybody can get sorted out hopefully they can just be healthy that's the the main thing and it's not anything that that lingers on too long it feels like they're being as safe as possible with them but uh those guys are all in my thoughts as well as anybody infected with this just horrible virus Let's move on to our last topic. We're going to talk about the uh, the cyber fight. We're going to talk about the promotions under that umbrella. We're going to talk about their big show coming up. Um, let, let's. But first, before we get to anything like about Cyber Fight Festival, Dylan, let me ask you: What were your thoughts on the latest, the latest junior junior heavyweight unit shakeup in 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 pro wrestling? No, it seems like it's been the twentieth since since February. Um, so. 
you know, uh, Momo uh, Seishitag just added Hajime Ohara to to their ranks, and so it's like you know, it's it's Daisuke Arata, it's Asushi Kotoge, it's Hajime Ohara, and who's who's the other member? It's uh, Junta Miyawaki, Miyawaki, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good unit. I'm like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. Every other unit is kind of like you know up and down for me because like yeah, you mix the Rattels in pretty much every other unit, and like you know me, I hate the fucking Rattels. I practically wrote the book on hating the Rattels, so we're we're kindred spirits on this. Yohei is one of my least favorite wrestlers. Again, much like Tajiri. Uh, any of these indie guys uh, leave a lot to be desired. Although, honestly, it's like, like, I know, like, I've never said that they don't have a place in Noah because I know they have a fan base. I know that there are some people that like them for, for whatever reason. I, you know, I, I can't understand it. It's not for me, but it's for other people. So I respect that. But for me as a fan, there's not a better unit. I don't, think possible than Momono Station Tag. I love all of these guys. Like these are literally some of my favorite wrestlers. Kodage, Harada, and Ohara. Uh, Kodage and Harada, they're so good. I love both of them so much. I was, you know, uh, it's interesting what they did uh, with their crazy shakeups in terms of Yoshioka was the champion and he dropped the belt right to, to Kotage for some reason. I was like, eh. And then it was like Kotage had a pretty, like a way above expected match with like uh, Neo, Hiroki. So I was like, oh yeah, Kotage is awesome. So, so I was like, okay, like I, I'm so happy this happened. And to see Ohara there, they can set up something interesting for him now. I'm in the tag ranks. They can do something a little different instead of just having Kotage and Harada team again. So uh, I love it. I, I, love the faction everything else it's like a necessary evil but there's still a lot of talent you know yeah they spread it out you know some of these like you know hayata and yohei and all this but everyone else there's a lot of talent there it's unfortunate that they're booked in such a joke of a way that everybody just makes fun of them now because they they turn and there's so much chaos then the junior division needs stability like never mind the iwgp title the junior division and noah definitely needs something to be a stabilizing force, but it feels like it's impossible with uh, the current booking regime. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think this is probably one of the better things that they did was like making this quartet of like Kotoke, Harada, uh, Miyawaki and, and Hashime Ohara, who I've, I've, I've been a huge fan of this guy ever since he joined Noah, even before then, you know, when he was, he's a, like, you know, dragon system guy, you know, with, you know, Kazuchika Okada, though I hear there's a, big falling out between those two years yeah. years ago but like the, i think this is very great i i loved if you can find the show where they where they formed the unit where like ohara gets kicked out by like his other group which i forget what it was full throttle whatever and then you know kotoge looks at uh, harada says can we can we take him in and Harada's like okay let's take him and they and they they hug it was it was really nice i like the way they did that it's one of the one of those feel-good moments that you that you know you, you can get in wrestling that that makes you happy to be a fan of especially japanese wrestling i just wish that they would have like again if they hadn't have done so much of this and this had been drawn out a lot more that could have been like a, a legendary moment. I feel like, you know, if, if something like that happened, like Ohara finally joining back up with Kodige, just like Kodige joined up with Harada. But as it is, it's like, this is going to get overshadowed by another turn in like a week. You know, yeah. it, it, it feels like, you know, like and that was like, in terms of their acting and how they pulled it off, that was a great moment. 
Like, like you said, everybody should go back and watch it. It was awesome. But unfortunately, the way things are right now, it's like there's so much of a mess. If they just gave stuff ch- a chance to breathe, you have amazing talents. Like all three of those guys, to me, are world class in terms of wrestling and personality. Uh, Harada, I would probably say, is the less of the personality, maybe the strongest in the wrestling and so on and so forth. But everybody's great at pretty much everything. And if they just let them do their thing, they could have like to me, that's the thing that always made me like Noah better than something like a New Japan is their junior division means so much more than all the other normal companies, or at least not the normal companies, but, you know, the, the mainstream companies, so like big three. Their junior division was always the best one and the most valued. And now it's like, it's breaking my heart what they're doing. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's like when New Japan, like, that's the thing, like New Japan, the thing I loved most about them when I first started watching was the junior heavyweights. It wasn't the heavyweights. It was Kanemoto, Otani, Liger. And then it's like, you see them, then they're like a total non-entity now, but it just, it irritates me so much. And with Noah now, it's like, you have, and the thing is they have the guys. It's not a question of that. It's not like it's some weak roster. It's a great roster, but they just, why? Why do things have to be so reckless right now with Noah? Well, I mean, you know, Nosawa, wrong guy, is 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 cut from the same cloth as Ghetto, Jado, and Dick Toko, sleazy indie wrestler, junior heavyweight guy who doesn't know how to book junior heavyweights or tag teams. So, you know, it's 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 just like this infection that's happened in, in pro res in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, Dylan. But, have him but, go there then. <laughs> like, have him go join up with his buddies. Listen, just send all these fucking guys to fucking Dove Pro and just have them disappear from my fucking yes. existence, my periphery, as it were. But but enough of that. Let's let's go to the 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 big show that's coming up uh, two weeks from today, uh, June June sixth, I believe, at Saitama Super Arena. It's Cyber Fight Festival. It's gonna be all the promotions under the Cyber Fight um, umbrella. Pro Wrestling DDT, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, and my favorite company, the best one, Gambare Pro Wrestling Dylan, and they'll all have matches on this really massive show that I think is gonna do really well for them if they don't get fucked by COVID. Well, it's hard to say right now when it comes to that. I mean, anything could happen again. I don't really know the situation enough to really say anything, but from how things are playing out, it seems like it's going to happen one way or the other, it feels like. But uh, there's a lot of matches on the show. It feels like it should be a big deal uh, when it comes to that. And uh, hopefully they can get it off safely. And there's no, nobody could, that, that's a, that's a definitely a big worry that somebody big could get infected. And I pray that, the, that, 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 that does not happen, but hopefully we can get the show how it's intended to be seen. Let, let's go through the matches. Let's do kind of a, a, a quick preview of this card. I'm going to let you carry a lot of this because you probably watch more of the, you know, the TJPW and DDT than I do. But let's start with that. There's a 10-woman tag team match to start this off. Let's go through the participants. Go ahead, Dylan. That's right. It's Mirai Mayumi, Suzume, Haraneko, Moka Miyamoto, and Arisu Endo versus now Kakuda, Raku, Palm Harajuku, Mahiro, Kiryu, and X or TBA. It's Shelton Benjamin. That's right. Shelton X is back. Uh, I think he's still employed. So he's with WWE, so it can't be him. But uh, 
the the main thing about this is these are all kind of like the younger talents in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and a lot of them have a lot of uh, talents. I I think Endo is very new, but she's shown a lot of good things. Suzume, ton of talent. Uh, Raku and Haruna Neko, Tom Harajuku, they're more like comedy gimmicks. Kiryu's a solid worker. Uh, Mayumi's looks good in her short run, but these are all really young wrestlers. And just to get them a little bit of a spotlight to start the show off, it'll all be about who X is. Uh, I hope that it's Reika Psyche, but a former TJP star who's not uh, really been doing anything since Russell One closed down. But uh, it, it's it'll basically be around who whoever that is. But that's that's my prediction. My hope is Rake a Psyche. Okay, and then the second match is going to be what they call the starting Battle Rumble with a Battle <laughs> Rumble rules match. And yeah, uh, doesn't that sound like a badass ma- match name? Though I love that Battle, that Battle Rumble. Rumble. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm into that. Well, I mean, sure, but then I look at some of the participants, like yeah. you know, uh, Antonio Honda and um, you know Toru Iwashi, who's you know more or less a comedy wrestler now. Like then I don't really think too much of it but let, let's go through the, the yeah. people the most interesting is is legendary wrestler yoshiki yoshiaki he's returning after having his his leg unfortunately amputated but he got a prosthetic and he he did this great video where he was showing off how great his headlock is even you know with the new prosthetic and and shout outs to jamesy it just reminded me of the awesome uh you know boots and trunks podcast episode talking just about headlocks all i thought about was that episode when i saw yoshiaki yatsu like apply it with his new prosthetic and I'm, I'm i'm curious to see how he does with with the the prosthetic and and you know what if you if if it's not a hindrance people with prosthetics wrestle go ahead why not wrestling should be for anybody who wants to do it and you know you can work things around in different ways at the end of the way at the end of the day and this is just like a a comedy match anyway so so i mean like literally anybody can probably be in this and succeed like even if you wanted to be in the match wh i think you could probably work a spot in there and do all right Uh, i would probably be a better worker than fucking antonio honda but could you tell the entirety of the go on the fox story yes i could oh okay just peppered with a lot of profanity that's all well that's not well i mean i guess technically you'll fit in with, with ddt a lot of their stuff is like x-rated or whatever so uh you could definitely be his tag team partner now i think is what you're advocating for all right so who else we got toro washi uh, kazuki harada i don't know who who's he he's the guy who does the tokyo go gimmick with it with the glasses all right, he's a comedy guy. He's, um, he's, I like him though. I think he. he I was. I, I, I don't know about you, WH, but I was a huge fan of Magnum Tokyo. So uh, when I see this gimmick, it always. Oh, makes me laugh. this guy. Okay, yeah. he's all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Mag. Like, listen, M2K, Magnum Tokyo, fucking loved it. You know what is it? Then he formed. I think. I think. Final like M2K. Magnum Tokyo is better than Do Fixer Magnum Tokyo, and definitely better than Pause Hearts fucking magnum tokyo well yeah they're definitely better than pos hearts uh magnum tokyo i totally agree with you there but uh, i i like him a lot i was always a huge fan of his uh even all the way to the very end in hustle where he was a detective character the detective alan karoki i thought he was awesome and all of that so uh Hirata's good though i actually he's not gonna he, he's probably gonna be all comedy but when he does get the chance to wrestle he's actually kind of good at it so he's somebody i always say is underrated but uh hopefully he has a good spot and i'll always pop for the tokyo go song bag magnum tokyo's deal uh makoto oishi 
you know, good, he's good worker. Good work. He's all right. He's I like him. He's, he's teaming with Akiyama a lot recently, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's one of the better workers, I feel like, on the roster in terms of, like, technical wrestling and telling stories and stuff like that. I've seen this guy forever. He was in K-Dojo, you know, 15 years ago and stuff like that. Uh, and he's one of the more uh, solid wrestlers. Uh, he'll probably get dragged to some comedy stuff, though, unfortunately. But he's good. Like, I, I like him. Saki Akai, who's actually getting, I think, really, you know, steady push. Part of eruption and like just doing a lot of ton, tons of wrestling. Not just you know she's a, a Joshi wrestler, but she she does a lot of intergender wrestling. So she get she's one of the more prominent. I feel like members of the the mid card, and I think it seems like they're very high on her to like just kind of push her higher up on the the DDT roster there. Yeah, I mean I think you hit the nail on the head. Clearly somebody that they value and has a valuable spot on the roster as well. So uh, she's improved a lot over the years. I, I used to, she would have been like to jury level five years ago for me, but she's actually improved a lot. So I, I'm happy she gets a spot on the show. Uh, Antonio Honda, the aforementioned, you know, Antonio Honda, enough said about him. Yeah, ah, tell some stories. Here's, here's a favorite of, your, of you and me here, Dylan, Yusuke Okada. He's doing very well since he's left All Japan and, and joined DDT. I can see him, uh, you know, like doing pretty well. Yeah, and he's, he's good with the comedy too. Okada could do anything in wrestling. I feel like uh, he's a guy like literally from his first match, I've been watching him. And as soon as he walked out, I knew he was special. I, I always thought he could be a top star wherever he went. And he's gotten a very strong push in DDT. Uh, I, I hate that he's not in the tournament next month. And I hate that he does, he's not in a bigger match on this show, especially when you see some of the other matches and some people that aren't on the show. Like, there were some spots that he could have been a great use of. Instead, he's in this dumb battle royal. Uh, Yuya Kuroku, I'm not familiar with him or her. Is it her? Uh, no. Is it him? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your voice tells me everything I need to know. Uh, one, of my, one of my least favorites, because I think he's super overrated, that's Yuji Hino. Him and his belly button are in this. I, 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 I say, can he do comedy? I don't know. Any Yuna Manase? Oh, shout out Yuna Manase. She's just in the, you know, she was in the Stardom Anniversary Show. She's gone back to JPW, it seems. Um, yeah, you know, inoffensive to me. And finally, uh, so like the last participant that they've announced so far, Shu Sakurai. What can you tell me about Shu Sakurai here? Uh, very little, to be honest with you. Um, it's like people like that in this Kuroko, I really don't know that much about. I'm not going to lie to you. I, w- I wish I could tell you more. Uh, I was really just doing that as a gimmick, to be honest with you. Uh, on uh, Kuroko, I don't know anything about whoever that is, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, that's the that's the second match. And third match, six-man tag team match, Kenoka, Keisuke Ishii, and Shota take on Shuichiro Katsumura, Koki Iwasaki and Yuehito Imanari. What can you tell me about this match? It sounds like a DDT match. It, it's actually a Ganbari pro match. I should have known that. It's my favorite promotion, Jalen. Yeah, yeah. See, come on now. You're you you've been exposed right now on the show. Uh, right now, at least I, I can admit that Shu Sakurai is not one of my favorites that I know a lot about. Uh, you know. But I will admit that I do know about these guys uh, here where uh, I am a big fan of Koki Iwasaki and Keisuke Ishii. Shota and Imanari are pretty good. Katsumura and Oka are an acquired taste at best, um, but have been praised by the Gambari Pro fan base. And Oka is kind of like 
the you know the president or whatever of Gonbari Pro. So he's kind of like their version of Sanshiro Takagi, uh, more or less, kind of. <laughs> I, I can, guess. can I just can I just tell everyone how much I fucking hate Sanshiro Takagi? I think he's fucking shit. You know, he's smart man. I applaud his business sense, his acumen in, in turning DDT into the you know the, the fucking success it is you know but god he's shit in the ring we, uh, we could talk about him and his match let's talk about ken oka what do you think about ken oka that's what i want to know i don't i can't recall ever seeing ken oka match i'm sure i have i just don't none of these guys like keisuke ishii is like the only one who i whose name i recognize and think can say i remember seeing a match of his i think you would like iwasaki like he he's another of that ilk like yeah. a, a good technical wrestler hits hard like that that kind right. of deal all right, you know what, Dylan? Because you said that, I'm going to go search out some of his stuff. But number four, this this sound, this looks interesting. Six man tag team match: DDT versus Pro Wrestling Noah, Yukino, Keigo Nakamura, Toei Kojima, taking on Junta Miyawaki, Kinya Okada, and Yasutaka Yano, like the, the the kind of the young boys of like DDT versus the young boys of Pro Wrestling Noah here. Uh yeah, you know, you you could say that. Um, I think that you see a match like this, Okada can stand out a lot. I, I think he's someone that, that has a lot to gain. Yano, he's really young. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, this could be a good match. These guys are going to be hungry, uh, and I think they're going to do good stuff. Eno's coming off of, uh, you know, an injury, so it's going to be interesting to see that uh, when, when they come in. Let's go to match five. You, you introduce us to this match here, no, match number five right, with course. Damnation. Uh, Damnation, Daisuke Sasaki, Tetsuya Endo, and Soma Takao. They are facing Chris Brooks and Sonic Club, or 37 Kamina, as it's written in English, but that's what it means. Like you, yeah, they have a, a thing in Japan where it's like you spell stuff out with numbers, and uh, 37 is like Sauna. So it's Shunma Katsumata and Mao, and this is not a match for me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, you, you forgot see- you forgot to mention that you know they're outside you know seconding uh, damnation is the incredible Matt Polly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> how how can I forget Matt Polly? Of course, what was I thinking? Uh so just describe these guys it's like Sasaki his nickname is the charisma and he's known for his promos more than his wrestling. Uh, you know he's he's like a a crazy character worker. He's kind of like the leader of the group. Uh, although Endo is pushed more as the actual wrestler. And Endo's like a high flyer guy. You know, he, he does a lot of flips and stuff like that. Uh, he was a champion last year, actually. So he was a big star for them. Sasaki is a former champion. Uh, Endo's like, a, if you really like high flying wrestling, he's there. Sasaki, he's a great talker. Soma, he's like mid tier at everything, would be how I would describe him. Like, he's okay at literally all aspects of wrestling, uh, is how I would describe him. Uh, Brooks, I think he's very popular on Twitter. Everybody probably knows him. And Shuma, he's a guy who's done all kinds of stuff uh, over the past year. He's worked death matches. He's had a Joker gimmick, worked with Legos. Uh, and, you know, he's a good, charismatic, flying wrestler in this. I, I doubt any of that stuff happens in this match, but who knows? Uh, Damnation, they're a super heel team. Like, you know, so there could be interference. There could be weapons, that kind of thing. Mao, he's a crazy guy who flies a lot just like Katsumata so that they're a stylistically good match uh, along with Brooks but for me I I don't really I'm not into any of these guys to be honest with you uh Shudma is probably my favorite of everybody he's the one to watch in my opinion number six a Joshi match a three-way tag team match let's talk about the participants go ahead Dylan 
Daydream, Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe versus Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Misao versus the Bakuretsu sisters, Noroka Tenma and Yuki Aino. And I love the Bakuretsu sisters. They're one of my favorite acts in Tokyo Joshi Pro. And Tenma in particular stands out big for me. Just a great, unique look. Good wrestling. They're a natural team. Love them. Uh, Daydream, again, if this were Daydream versus Bakuretsu Sisters, I think this match could be a potential sleeper candidate for the show. Tatsumi just came off of a shocking run as champion. It was like nobody thought she would win the title, but then she actually won the title. And uh, she had a very good reign. I had to drop it before the show. I guess she didn't have to, but they did. Uh, And Miyu Watanabe is a very good young wrestler as well. Uh, So that would be a great match. Shoko Nakajima is one of the best workers in Tokyo Joshi Pro. You've probably seen her if you're a fan of AEW. She's very small, very charismatic. She's like a spark plug type of wrestler, super energetic. Hyper Misao is a comedic wrestler who is a superhero. So you're going to see that. It's kind of like, you know, she watched like the hurricane in videos of, of him and just kind of modeled herself after that to an nth degree in Tokyo Joshi Pro. So there's going to be a lot of comedy in this match with Misao and Nakajima. They had a, a, a feud where Nakajima became Misao's partner and became a superhero as well. So it's like there's going to be some comedy stuff in this match. But if you can see Daydream and Bakuretsu sisters or, you know, if Shoko and Hyper Misao uh, want to get in on the action and actually wrestle, because Misao is a pretty decent wrestler, too, when she tries, this could be a good match. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, number seven, six-woman tag team match. Kari Noah, Mizuki, and Yuki Arai versus Maki Ido, Yuki Kanifuku, and Marika Kobashi. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the names here. What can you tell me about this match, Dylan? Yeah, this this could be an interesting match on paper when you look at it. I, again, I think that a lot of people will know Mizuki because uh, she got a lot of props la- last year for her big title match um, versus Yuka Sakazaki that a lot of people thought was like a match of the year level match. Maki Ito, probably the most famous uh, person on the Tokyo Joshi Pro roster. Everybody will know her again. She had an AEW run. I don't think that was that well-received, actually, by a lot of their fans. But uh, if you know of her, you know, she has a lot of fans. She's very popular. Along with Yuki Kamafuku, uh, she was the mid-card champion of Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, this year, the international princess champion. Uh, she's kind of like a, a supermodel, like idol type of wrestler. And uh, formerly came out to Old McDonald Had a Farm, uh, which was uh, the main thing she was known for. But she changed all that now and really upgraded her look. Um, she's you like still wearing the jean shorts. Uh, no, okay. She, she, has, she has normal gear. That's no. that's good. Like I, I just thought that was that's so, you know, indie. Her her gimmick was that she was like an American, and so like she came from a farm in America. It's weird. It wasn't the best. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But she's moved on from all that now. Like I said, she's she's like an idol type of deal now. She is in real life, too. She's like a model in real life. Um, uh, Hikari Noah, again, she's a part of the Up Up Girls in Noah, which is like an, an idol singing group as well. And Yuki Arai is from an idol group, uh, SKE48. So she's a big project for Tokyo Joshi Pro. So it's kind of like the idols, and then they put one wrestler on each team with Mizuki and Marika Kobashi. Uh, like, they're going to be the ones that handle the in-ring work, and they're both very talented wrestlers. But the the idols are are all in here, and Noah is a very talented wrestler as well. Uh, the others are okay. Arai is like a, a complete wild card. She's very new. But the others are okay. 
But Mizuki and Kobashi are the ones you want to watch in this match. All right. So match eight is a pure Pro Wrestling Noah tag match. It's a six-man junior tag team match. It's Momo no Seishin tag, Asushi Kotoge, Daisuke Rada, and Hajime Ohara taking on the team of Stinger, Yoshinari Agawa, Hayata, and Seiki Yoshioka. This should be actually a pretty good match. Yeah, it is. But here's my problem with it. Uh, like, we're going to see this. Hayata's in uh, it? No, I mean, yes, but like more importantly, like this is a match we're going to see a bunch of times anyway in, in Noah. So like this is what I don't like about some of the matches on this card. It's like the like the matches where guys are facing each other. This is a match again. We're going to see this exact same match multiple times this year. There's nothing special about it at all. So wouldn't it have been smarter to give a standout match to these guys and make it a DDT versus Noah match. To me, they really dropped the ball at times with not having enough Noah and DDT interaction because a match like this, I love Momo no Seishun. Like, if you ask me my three favorite favorite guys on this card, if those aren't the top three, they're three of the top four. Like, like you know, like pretty much when it comes to the male wrestlers. Uh, but, like, there's nothing about this match that captures my imagination at all. It's like we've seen combinations of this over and over, and the only difference is Yoshioka's and Stinger now great like i mean that, that that'll probably be the main focus of this match yoshioka and ohara were in the same faction full throttle with yohei and they split him up on opposite sides and that's probably going to be add some drama to this but to me it's like there's nothing special about this match at all in my opinion okay match number nine this should be interesting ddt versus congo the 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 all red faction of frosting noah so ddt is represented by senshiro takagi the president of ddt the stone cold steve austin ripoff wrestler cosplayer uh, akito Kaz- uh, akito higuchi great wrestler yukio sakaguchi uh Good wrestler. Uh, uh, they're a tag team interruption. Uh, Naomi Yoshimura, Yukio Na- Naya, and Hideki Okatani. And they're going to tag take on the team of Congo. Keno, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Masa Kitamiya, Manabu Soya, Hao, Neo, and the fucking shit Tadasuke. Yeah, this, uh, this is like the turning point of the card uh, to me. It's like the undercard matches, all, all we've done at this point are not that exciting, to, to, to be honest with you. But then you see a match like this, and it's at least something different. The talent is a big, mixed bag as it is destined to be at a 14-man tag match, but it's at least something different. And it's again, this is something I always say. It's like I don't understand why they've kept the promotions apart so much to where like this could have been a heated feud and has technically almost a year of buildup, but they went away from it for so long. Takagi, though, like, that's the thing. It's like, it's destined for comedy. I, I feel like the, this match, unfortunately. But there's a lot of talented guys in here. Akito, I love his work. I think he's one of the best workers in DDT. Great technician, will, will work a mat-based style. Higuchi, big power guy. He's going to do some big stuff. He's going to hit you hard. Yoshimura, same deal. Another power guy. He has a great worker. Really love his team with Yuki Ueno. Sakaguchi, technical wrestler, MMA background. He's really good. Okatani, a fiery rookie. Naya, I don't really like that much, but he's like a former sumo wrestler. Uh, you know, he, he'll be fine in his role. Like, it's the seventh guy or the sixth guy of a team. He's fine. Takagi, though, I feel like could overshadow this whole match. Uh, Congo team, Keno, he is just coming off of COVID, and it looks like he's going to be good to go for this match. So great news for him. 
not, Keno really impressed me earlier this year. I'm usually not as big of a fan of his, but I think the last year or so he's really turned a corner. Uh, Nakajima, I think everybody kind of knows him. Very charismatic guy, kicks hard. Keno and Nakajima will kick guys, and that will be a lot of fun. Kitami and Soya, two powerhouse guys. Uh, Kitami is coming off of a title shot he had versus uh, Keiji Muto. How Neo Tadasuke are the junior members of the faction, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them eats the fall, if not Okatani. They, you know, they have the lost post uh, on each team with uh, Okatani and Neo, so that's kind of interesting. But uh, you know, how how is a really good worker actually? Now that I think about it, he's somebody that's kind of, uh, is like a grassroots fan base in Noah. Really good junior heavyweight wrestler. He's not really pushed that much, but he's a guy you can always count on. Neo, the former Hiroki or High 69, again with the numbers, like like 37 Kamina. Uh, but he's Neo now, and uh, he's like a longtime indie guy that Noah brought in a few years ago. And Tadasuke, another indie guy, uh, former Rattel's member who WH doesn't like, but it's mostly because of his hair that's really bad, to be honest with you. Uh, he has probably he one of the a, worst. He does a really bad Samson Fuyuki like cosplay gimmick and i'm not a fan of it i thought he, he reminded me when i first saw his hair of like ricky fuji or something like that Another, you see the way he wrestles he does a lot of fuki spots like the 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 you know the, the running train how is he a junior yeah. <laughs> like, like this guy looks like he's 220 like, like, i don't know dude you know? his height maybe it's because he's short i don't know but anyways let's 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 get to the last four matches this is where the t- this is where the card's about to pick up by the way definitely all- like this, yeah. this match, the, the DDT versus Noah tag team matches, I, when this was announced, it got a lot of buzz, rightfully so. Konosuke Takashida, Yuki Ueno representing DDT, taking on the pro wrestling Noah team of Kaito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inamura. This has a lot of potential to be maybe match of the night if, if given enough time and, and everyone's firing on all cylinders. I think one of the next three matches are going to be the match of the night. I think this one has a very good chance to be it. In fact, uh, Ueno, he has been one of my absolute favorite wrestlers to watch this year of any company, a shining light in DDT and DDT. If you listen to my Patreon shows, I'm covering the ultimate tag league right now, every single match. It's not great to be honest with you. Uh, when it comes to like pure wrestling and things like that for the kind of fan I am, it's not always a lot of fun, but you know, no matter what they have him doing to catch it the same way. It's like, these guys are just tremendous performers. And, you know, to me, these were, are the two best guys at DDT, honestly, like, you know, Akiyama is like, yes, as champion, but he's not, not really a DDT guy. These two are, and they are world-class in my opinion, Kaito Kiyomi and Inamura. I love these guys. Uh, what they, they, to me, had the match of the night at Noah's Budokan show in February uh, versus Marafuji and Akiyama. So you see guys like this, all young guys, all the futures of their, you know, their respective company. To me, this is like my actual main event and the most interesting match because it's the one DDT versus Noah match that's like what I would want. If I, like, if, if I book this, this has meaning. Whoever wins this match is going to gain a lot from it. It's going to say a lot about them. My prediction is that the DDT team will win. I think Inamura is going to take the fall. But Inamura did get the fall in the Budokan match, so they're clearly pushing him very well. 
uh, that could be something, especially if Ueno is the one that takes the fall, as he is a champion right now at DDT, a uh, universal champion. So he is a guy that, uh, I mean, all, all four of these guys are super talented. Inamura is going to, I feel like he's going to be the spark plug because the other guys are all like really good ace type of wrestlers. Ueno's got a little bit of the junior style mixed in a little bit more. But Inamura is going to be the one guy that's going to wreck stuff and be a powerhouse and be awesome. So I, like, I love this matchup on paper. Yeah, I think it's probably the match I'm the most excited about as well. Um, next match is from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. It's their championship match, the Princess of Princesses uh, championship match. Miyu Yamashita, great wrestler, great, like, you know, shoot style, you know, striker wrestler. Um, she's a champion. Uh, and she's going to take on the challenge of Yuka Sakazaki, who are I'm sure many AW fans are familiar with. Yamashita representing uh, her UWF style match that she got announced for to Elite uh, in the future. So uh, Yamash- Yamashita, amazing worker, as you said, completely agree. To me, pretty easily the best wrestler in, in Tokyo Joshi Pro, to be honest, in terms of an in-ring performer. But Sakazaki is not that far behind. She had, again, her match with Mizuki last year was incredible and everyone loved it. And she is going to be a great stylistic counterbalance to Yamashita's style. I think you could tell a really good, uh, fiery, working from under story with Sakazaki. So she's the one that you would want to do that. And they're going to have a banger of a match. I, this is one of my favorite matches as well. Uh, like I said, one of these, this match, the match before or the match after it is going to be the match of the night. I would bet money on it. And uh, this has a chance. I wouldn't, I, I, I'm more excited about the tag match because of the interpromotional aspect, but this is a match you want to keep your eyes on because it could be great. Yeah, I think it's it's again uh, one of the matches. Like I'm not a I'm not a regular watcher of TJPW, but like Miyu Yamashita and Yukasaki are like two wrestlers who I thoroughly enjoy watching when I do get to watch their matches, and I'm I'm very excited about to see to see this match. Uh, number twelve, the semi main event, the KOD Openweight Championship. Current champion Jun Akiyama would take on DDT legend Harashima. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great match. Uh, on paper, Akiyama, he's one of the best in the world, e- even now. He had a horrible match with Densho Kudino, uh, who also, like, you don't listen to it, but they, they, they're going to have Dino and uh, uh, Super Satsandango Machine versus somebody that's probably going to be Sugira, which like, makes me want to hurl. To be honest with you, that Sugira spot is, is going to be that in all likelihood. But uh, yeah, Akiyama and Hiroshima, great match. Uh, two of the better workers at the UT. Two old veteran type of guys. You know, Hiroshima's in his late 40s. Akiyama's in his early 50s, but still can go really well. And uh, it'll be a good win for Akiyama. I don't think Hiroshima's going to win the title here, but still, it's a, a good match. One of the better ones, I think, for Akiyama style-wise in DDT. And finally, our main event, the GHC Heavyweight Championship match. It's, it's kind of interesting, Dylan, but like, the the you know the Noah title is going to take precedence over the DDT title because you know Cyber Fight's more of a you know they were more known for for DDT it's like Noah's kind of their later acquisition but you know you know the legend Keiji Muto has to be in the main event because you know he just has to be and he's defending his GHC heavyweight title against you know Noah legend Naomichi Marafuji and I gotta say Dylan like I I think this has potential to be a pretty pretty fun match if it stays 
on the ground, actually, believe it or not. And, and they do a lot more grappling and it doesn't go more than, you know, 15 to 17 minutes. Yeah. I think there's a way that you could build drama around Muto uh, in his matches. I would definitely say that his match for Sakita Mia was better than the Kaito match from the month prior. But I mean, it's, I just, I can't really get into him as champion because it's so hard to watch him, to be honest with you. Uh, Eli, I'm glad that I was never really a big fan of his in the first place, because if I was, I would hate this run. Uh, like, you know, like even guys that are decent now, like Kenta in New Japan, if I really loved you and thought you were the greatest in the world, to see you go down to like mid-tier, you know, a shell of what you used to be, I hate watching those kind of matches, uh, even if you're not that bad. And he is actually like barely able to move a lot of the times, but he tries hard and puts in a lot of effort. Uh, Marafuji, I've never really known him to be a technical wrestler, to be honest with you, or any kind of like mat worker. So I don't know what kind of goal they're going to play with this match. Um, again, I think it's, I don't think Muto is going to lose the title here. And uh, I think it's kind of tough, but it's possible. I think there's a better chance Marafuji would win than Hiroshima. But still, uh, I'm, and your mileage will vary based on what you think of Muto. If you can get around him being so old and barely able to move, then I think that you will find something in this match to like. If you're like me and you can't really get through that or get by that, then I don't think there's a lot here. Uh, and like even Marafuji as a cha- challenger, I wasn't a big fan of, to be honest, because it's like even if he were to win, it's like then we've got Marafuji and Sugera as the top champions again. It's like we've been there <laughs> like a bunch of times by now. That's not really the idea of, of winning this match. I'm actually kind of hoping Muto wins so I can put over somebody young, younger later. But as a match, maybe they'll surprise me. You know, the goal match was not bad, uh, like with Muto. They, that was about the best possible match Muto could have, I, I feel like, was against Goshiozaki at Budokan. If they can reach that level, then it's a mission accomplished. And it wasn't any kind of match of the year to me, but that could be a mission accomplished. If you just have a solid match, like you said, they need to keep it within a reasonable time. But I don't know. Like I'm just not a huge Muto No, I, I understand. Like I, I, I but, have very, very very low expectations for for this match to be honest with you but you know like there are times where I'm like hey muno actually had a all right he was, he's not terrible he's not great he's not terrible and you know marafuji can can surprise you sometimes without doing any of, of the high flying that he used to be known for so we'll see i do think length is going to play a big you know factor for me at least about how much i'm going to enjoy this match, like if it if it goes more than like twenty minutes, it's that's ridiculous, and it's going to suffer for it by think, every minute, you know. You know, to be fair, this is a fourteen match show at the end of the day, and there's going to be some restrictions when it comes to the time limit, like one way or the other. Like they're not going to be able to be there all night, so I do think that they're like some matches are not going to be very long on this show, uh, and if they needed to cut some time from this main event. I think that would be better for all involved, but I don't see that happening to be honest. Cause I think like, you know, this is the championship match on the show. I think uh, unfortunately that is not going to be the match they look to, to cut for time. Uh, probably not. I, I can see them rushing through pretty much everything else on yeah, this card. The first it's like it. nine matches on the show uh, are probably not going to go super long. I would no. say. No. What do you but, think of the, the Dino match in Sugera? You like you did not respond to me when I said that, and I was not happy. I like this deserves a rant. I, 
Sugiera, if, if it's just Sugiera like beating the fucking shit out of Dino, that's fine. I don't, I, I agree though. Like, I don't think Sugiera should be, he's the national champion. You know what I mean? Like, he should have a title defense. On it's coming show. off like a match of the year candidate versus another old guy. Yeah. Like, he beat the hell out of him. Like, and that match was incredible. He's like, you know, like, it's him and Nakajima. They're the best workers in the company, right? <laughs> you know? At his age, it's like it's a it's amazing. Like he 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 the way he looks is like someone fifteen years younger than you know people other people of his of his you know peer groups of his age. Um, his style of wrestling is still incredibly hard hitting, even though all the wear and tear that he's put his body through since you know becoming a pro wrestler. Um, him against. Do you know if that's actually what happens? It's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. But and like, it's, it's, it's Sasa Dango Machine too. It's some kind of like double tag match. If it's if it's him destroying those two in in like two minutes, then then okay, that's fine. Anything like where Dino gets competitive on him, fuck off. And he does any of his, and if he does, and if he does his bullshit gimmick of of you know sexual assaulting other men that's what he does he does he doesn't you know that's his whole gimmick is like he 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 tries to you know touch you oh it's comedy wh it's, i don't think it's fucking funny anymore we, I, we, i've we never thought it was funny we, we just saw this versus akiyama and like they had a 30 minute match of this nonsense if, if if it's like okay i don't like like you said don't, it won't this, be 30 it's, it's, it's not it's not 30 minutes like if it is they they completely lost the and they will, it won't be 30 minutes i'm very very but if it God. if it's like two minutes of sugary just like shoot elbowing these guys and then beating the and then just dropping them on their heads and then pinning them at the same time then it's fine to me it's just a huge waste of, of somebody like that who is such an incredible performer uh to me i think he's clearly the best worker in, in the company or he's probably one of the best workers in the world in my in my book i uh, you know it's like you have guys like i'm a big fan of momo no station tag i i think they're up there Kaito's had a lot of good matches, but Sugera is on a completely different level. I feel like that, like pretty much everyone else in any company. So I just I don't understand why he was the one to take the fall, so so to speak, uh, out of everyone when he is a champion already. Maybe he wanted that match because his real life personality is kind of crazy. You know, it's like he's a, he's like this uh, weirdo perverted guy in real life. Uh, so it's like maybe he saw this as some kind of opportunity. But it should have been vetoed by, by whoever was responsible. And maybe you know everything you're saying is true. Like I, you know, it's well documented in, in you know in weekly pro wrestling shoe pro. Like what, what <laughs> yes. a pervert, what a pervert like Sugiera is. Like yes. may, maybe he wants. Maybe Dino's his favorite wrestler, and he just wants to be like a Dino wrestler. If that's I the don't case, hear this. and then that's what happens, then it's going to be really sad for for people like you and me, Dylan. But maybe not for the hardcore meme loving giffer fans of of, 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 of of fucking ddt pro wrestling but anyways this should be uh, an interesting show the last four matches definitely worth you know making the time to to go out and watch that's june 6 saitama super arena i don't i don't think this is on like any english streaming channel i think it's on it's going to be on um russell universe I yeah it'll and it'll have i believe it'll have also english commentary yeah so. Uh, Mark and Stu Fulton, those are my guys. That's right. 
Mark Pickering, always liking a lot of my things on Twitter. Shout out to, to Mark Pickering. Don't don't make any embarrassing calls like some of the people who uh, work for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you and I will always be okay, my friend. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to their commentary for most of these matches, especially the the last the last four here. And and yeah, let's let's wrap it up there, Dylan. We've we've gone a long but like a long time on this on this episode. But hey good discussion about all the topics and some really important, you know, things that we got off our, got off our chest about, you know, at the top of the hour, but uh, let's plug the Easter Lariat and, and, and like, what have you got coming up and where can people find more of your work? Yeah. I'm so thankful to be on the show with you, WH. I'm always happy to do shows with you and just uh, hang out with you too. It's a really cool stuff. And hopefully all the listeners enjoyed my guest appearance on here. If you want to hear more of me, you can check out the Eastern Lariat. It's my show I do with Striga. He is a wonderful bastion of knowledge, especially of uh, Japanese indie wrestling and indie wrestling anywhere. Uh, he's like a, a true, like I said, a fountain of knowledge almost in, in some ways. And he and me, uh, I love doing our shows and things we're doing. Uh, we're going to be doing a new show really soon, too, about everything going on. Uh, he's a teacher in his outside life. I have no outside life. I only know wrestling. So that's the difference between me and him. And I'm built different than most everyone else uh, who are normal and successful. Me, I just love wrestling, and I've risked it all on many t- occasions for it. But we have all kinds of stuff. We cover every promotion, New Japan, Big Japan, All Japan, NOAA. You know, we cover everything on the show, much like we did on this show. So I felt like I brought a little bit of the Lariat spirit to oh, post for us right now. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, we cover all that. It's not just New Japan. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat, where, I, again, I cover everything even more in-depth uh, when it comes to, you know, if a show's happening, I'll watch it. I'll put a show up right there. I've done it numerous times <laughs> this month. Uh, sometimes I'll just hit you with some random stuff uh, on there. I have a partner in crime uh, named uh, Big Rob McCauley. Yeah, he's on Twitter at B McCauley. Uh, very uh, bastion of knowledge about 90s stuff <laughs> would, be, would be him. Not wrestling, just stuff <laughs> in general. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of fun. We're doing all of the DDT Ultimate Tag League, the Dragon Gate shows uh, for King of Gate. And that's led to some really cool stuff, too. So it's like you get a little bit of everything on our Patreon. Uh, I have a series on the 90s that I'm doing. Uh, I haven't done the 95 show in a little bit, but I'm getting back on that soon because I really am looking forward to watching more old school wrestling, but everything I'll watch uh, AEW pay-per-views. I did a show on WWE pay-per-view. I did a show on wherever there's important wrestling. I am willing to talk about it. I'm willing to watch it and I love doing it. So uh, thank you to everybody supported. And also if you do subscribe, it's still it's close to the end of the month now. So I don't normally advise it, but this time you normally I'd say wait till the start of the month. But right now, uh, this is the last month of it. Every cent that goes to our Patreon is actually getting donated to charity uh, for uh, the stopping anti-Asian American hate. Uh, that is a big deal for me on a personal level and everything going on in the last few months. So uh, if you can, sign up to the Big Hush tier. You get all kinds of cool stuff. At this point, it's like literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of content, in fact. Uh, so you get a lot of cool stuff on there. It's just five bucks. Uh, it goes to a good cause uh, for this month. And if you hate me, you can just uh, exit out at the start of the next month and be fine. But uh, please, everybody, check it out. It's a lot of fun. And check out our free shows, too. I love doing the Eastern Lariat. And hopefully everyone enjoyed this show. And we'll check out our my shows in the future.
Yes, definitely. I'm a proud supporter of the Eastern Lariat Patreon and a proud owner of one of your t-shirts. Love wearing that thing. Uh, check out the, their their merchandise over at their Patreon yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, let's let's wrap it up there. Dylan, thank you so much for joining me here at on Post Perez in the, the uh, second May edition episode. And uh, next time you hear me on Post Perez, I'll be back with John Pollock, probably talking about Cyber Fight Festival, the results of that, and, and whatever else is happening with in the ongoing saga that is new japan pro wrestling in 2021 um you're gonna you can look forward to the new long and winding royal road that i'm gonna be doing with case slow from voices of wrestling from open the voice gate and we're gonna talk about kenna kabashi dylan one of our favorites like it's gonna be an awesome biography episode of the orange crush man himself kenna kabashi look forward to that and uh, yeah you'll be back here on this show at some point before the end of the year i'm i'm pretty sure about that and uh yeah you can follow me at wh park nine that's the number nine for all my uh wonderful uh hot takes on on people's gear on uh making fun of you know members of the elite because i hate them all and this and that so anyways with that being said until next time talk to you all next time and goodbye What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.